You're listening to Shaggy's Soul Shakedown Party tonight. Here on Mutiny Radio.fm, I am your host, Pam Benjamin, bringing you the news the socialist bent from Gnarl Pro Choice America and Drug Policy Alliance here on Mutiny Radio.fm every Wednesday from noon to two. Usually, my beautiful co host Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, is with us, but not today because she had a wicked awesome birthday yesterday. She had so much fun that she will not be joining us today because she is very tired. <laughs> she might call in, uh, but we actually won't be taking calls the second hour because I will be playing Lift Me Up San Francisco, a podcast with Zia Ahmed, which is a great podcast. He uh, has a wonderful book that he wrote called Lift Me Up San Francisco about people in lift cars and sending messages to the people behind them. It's, a, it's an exciting project he does. It's a great book. Go buy it right now. And uh, we're going to listen to the podcast that he, he had me on his cast a while ago. So thank you, Zia, for saving my tushy because I don't have a co-host today. <laughs> so I really appreciate it. I'm going to play that later on. And, uh, and then... I can uh, clean up the station and hang out. It's going to be great. Lots of exciting stuff happening this week. Friday's Fantastics Comedy Clubhouse is a new theme that I made up, and I'm very proud of it, and I think it's going to be an amazing show because I'm super into themes, and I've made up a new like game show thing. Now, I'm not a big fan of competition comedy, but it seems that audiences really like competition comedy, so there's that. Uh, but it's it's like Chopped, but it's improv comedy, sort of. So every comedian at the beginning, uh, there's four of them, they get a basket and they open their baskets and there's bizarre things inside of them, all the same. And they have about four minutes to concoct what they're gonna do, and they, have, they can't listen to each other's sets, we pull them out of a hat, they perform basically about the same topics, but uh, the audience cuts one and then there's three. They open up another basket with five items, different items, different set. And then when there's finally two, they get, an, they get a basket with 10 items and they're gonna do 10 minutes. And then the audience is gonna decide who the winner is. That person is most likely going to win some marijuana and uh, every, everybody wins. So I'm gonna give everybody prizes who's involved. So hooray. Hope you guys join us for that show this Friday at 8 o'clock. I'm very excited about 
that new concept on Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse. This Saturday, I'm in There's a Comedy Crawl. I'm going to be on the first leg at 5.30 at the Grotto. That's the basement of Sports Basement over there. Come over and see me. Do some comedy. It's going to be fun. Well, let's get to your news. Drug Policy Alliance news here on Mutiny Radio. Uh, I love the Drug Policy Alliance blog. This is a great one today. Because of the drug war, there is virtually no heroin without fentanyl in many places. And we've been learning about fentanyl and the dangers of it. Oh, and that it was completely created in a pharmaceutical lab and it's a hundred times more uh, potent than heroin. And uh, people are cutting it with all kinds of things. There was a death of a young boy at a swimming pool. He went to the swimming pool, he came home, and then he died of a fentanyl overdose. And his mom was like, what? He's 10. He clearly isn't taking drugs. And so it became a question of where did he come in contact with it? Was there an open fentanyl patch, perhaps on the pool deck? Or was it at the water fountain? Like, how did this child get? So for those that don't know, and we talk about it all the time, fentanyl is a transdermally delivered uh heroin uh, opiate that is a painkiller that's usually made for people that are in like end stage cancer things that are their pain is so unbearable right and then it's this skin soluble uh so it goes right right through your skin but what people are doing is they're taking it out and they're dehydrating it and they're mixing it with heroin and they're mixing with other drugs and they're you know smoking it or injecting it as opposed to having it be transdermal and if you ate that stuff raw it'll kill you like if you licked a patch or something and murder you you'd be dead uh august 31st which is tomorrow is overdose awareness day and there is a huge disconnect happening right now without doing any real analysis of the problem some lawmakers are rushing to pass new pass new harsh penalties against people who provided fentanyl-laced heroin to someone who then died from it, even if they are unaware that their supply of heroin contained fentanyl. If these lawmakers look closely at the issue, they might realize their approach will do nothing to reduce opioid-related deaths. For starters, starters, they'd see that fentanyl is virtually ubiquitous in the heroin supply in parts of Northeast and Midwest. People who use heroin have very little control over whether that heroin has been adulterated. So if we don't address the root causes of problematic drug use, fentanyl-related overdose deaths will persist. Fentanyl is a legal synthetic opioid used to treat serious pain. Discovered in the 1960s, fentanyl was only used for surgery, but its clinical use expanded in the 90s when an extended-release skin patch was developed to treat chronic pain. When fentanyl is prescribed, it's safe and effective pain reliever as long as the recommended dosage is followed. So, why is it becoming harder to find heroin without fentanyl? Where is the fentanyl coming from? Why is it being added to heroin. I used to imagine people who sold heroin at lower levels of the chain would add fentanyl to their heroin to try to spice up their product and make it more attractive, but that's not the case at all. Most of the fentanyl in the black market isn't from medical supply. It's produced illicitly. I didn't know this. It's important to know that virtually none of the heroin being consumed in the U.S. is actually produced in the U.S. It's almost entirely produced in Colombia and then shipped to Mexico, where fentanyl is being added before it comes to the U.S. Not only does fentanyl make the product stronger, until very recently it was imported cheaply in bulk from China. 
This provides financial incentive for suppliers to stretch their product further. This adulterated heroin enters the U.S., giving people who then sell it no choice of what kind of heroin to supply their customers. Their seller is likely one... Uh, their, their seller likely only carries fentanyl-laced heroin and is unaware of this fact. Unknowingly, a person at the lowest level buys the heroin that has fentanyl in it, and the risk increases. Most users don't appear to be seeking fentanyl, and they aren't prepared to protect themselves from its risks. It's hard to test for fentanyl, and in some places, syringe access programs are making attempts. Additionally, because of the drug-induced homicide laws, if they share with a friend who overdoses, they can be charged with manslaughter. So how are these new laws solving anything or keeping people safe? If we really want to reduce opioid dependence and overdose, we should look at the concrete policy steps outlined in the Drug Policy Alliance's Opioid Response Plan. We don't need to expand access to treatment, or we need to expand, excuse me, we need, the, the word GOP was underneath it, and so when I read it, the word don't help like jumped in my head. So apologies all around as I read the news to you. We need to, ex we need to expand access to treatment, including methadone and make sure the GOP doesn't pass a healthcare bill that takes away these options. The overdose reversal drug naloxone should be more available. We need supervised consumption services where people can use pre-obtained drugs in controlled settings, potentially have them checked for adulterants like fentanyl and high level drug use drug checking technology and consume the drug under the supervision of trained staff with access to sterile injecting equipment, healthcare counseling, and referrals to health and social services, including drug treatment. There has never been a single overdose death at a site like these, SIS sites, and, and they're trying to have them in California right now. Allowing heroin-assisted treatment, HAT, for those who have a long and protracted history of problematic drug use is another sensible approach. Every published evaluation of that HAT has shown extremely positive outcomes and even more than half a dozen countries in Europe and Canada that have implemented such programs. Overdose deaths, overdose deaths are preventable and we need to raise awareness for these proven harm reduction strategies this August 31st. Prohibition doesn't work and a wall on the border will do nothing to stop the flow of drugs. We fundamentally, until we fundamentally change our approach, the problem in the U.S. will only get worse. Uh, this was written by Derek Rosenfeld, who is the manager of social media and media relations for the Drug Policy Alliance. All right. Hey, they are right. Building a wall is going to do nothing to stop the war on drugs. We're going to actually click on that. The Washington Post has an article about that. Uh... Trump admits his border wall could be defeated by medieval siege technology. That's funny. Uh, this is coming up. Thanks again to the Drug Policy Alliance. Trump admits his border wall could be defeated by medieval siege technology. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to know if, if, if it's jokes or not, but this is real. This is a real article. Uh, from the Washington Post. President Trump told reporters on Air Force One on Wednesday, that's today, that his proposed border wall could have, uh, would have to be transparent to prevent Americans from being struck and killed by 60-pound sacks of drugs tossed over from the Mexican side. <laughs> One of these, <laughs> this is very funny. 
there's a picture of a trebuchet too where you know you take the so they're basically saying they're going to throw 60 pound bags of drugs uh, over his wall with trebuchets um one of the things with the wall you will need is transparency. You'll have to be able to see through it, Trump said. He continued. In other words, if you, can, if you can't see through the wall, let me try to do his voice. In other words, if you can't see through the wall, so it would be a steel wall with openings, but you would have to have openings because you have to see what's on the other side of the wall. And I'll give you an example. As horrible as it sounds, when they throw the large sacks of drugs over and you have people on the other side of the wall, you don't see them and you hit their heads with 20 pounds of stuff, it's over. As crazy as it sounds, you need transparency through that wall. Trump acknowledges that his scenario he paints is somewhat crazy, but there is a kernel of truth to it. For decades, drug smugglers have employed an arsenal of sometimes cartoonish tactics from tricycles to narco subs to drone delivery to ferry their wares north of the border. One such drug, one such tool is the drug catapult, or more accurately, accurately, the drug trebuchet, a medieval device capable of slinging heavy objects, typically marijuana bales, across hundreds of yards. Due to their outlandishness, they typically make a splash in the national news when, news when one is seized, as one did this past February. <laughs> Uh, SUNY Albany Homeland security expert Brandon Benderhoff told Wired this week that it's nearly impossible to design a wall tall or transparent enough to stop a well-built trebuchet. They're launching drugs not five feet from the wall or ten, ten feet from the wall where a transparent wall would help, Benderdorf said. They're launching it 100 feet over the wall, 150 feet over the wall. No amount of transparency is going to help you in that context. Trump's proposed wall is part of his plan to restrict illegal immigrations, but he has also cast it as part of a solution to the drug abuse and overdose deaths. The wall is a very important tool in stopping drugs from pouring into our country and poisoning our youth and many others. He wrote on his Twitter like a 12-year-old girl in April, if the wall is not built, which it will be, the drug situation will never be fixed the way it should be. I'm sorry, I, I hate this guy so much. But his re, his remarks to reporters amount to an admission of something drug and security experts have been saying all along. The wall will do nothing to stop the flow of drugs. The bulk of drugs will continue to th flow through existing border checkpoints. If more remote areas, in more remote areas, smugglers will tunnel under the wall or they'll climb or fly over it. There are simply too many alternative ways of moving drugs into the country to justify a wall, said San Tree, director of Drug Policy Alliance Project at the Institute of Policy Studies in April. But Trump, despite acknowledging that drugs will continue to cross the border after any wall is built, remains undeterred. We have some incredible designs for it, he told reporters this week. <laughs> Trebuchets! It's so funny, my my Trump thing. Do you want to say anything, Josh? You can come in and talk on the radio if you want. I just, I your impersonation. Oh, you let he loves he loves my Trump impersonation. He's an idiot, uh, and and I but he's a tremendous idiot because I mean at least I, now I've been doing a lot of conspiracy theory. Um, 
studying this weekend, and some say that red tie Trump and blue tie Trump are different Trumps. That when he wears the red tie, he's an asshole, and when he wears the blue tie, he's nice. Or if it's the opposite way, I can't remember. But I'm like, you think that there's... Or, or they're saying that one of the Trumps is when he's talking from his own voice, and one of them is when he's speaking what the Republican Party wants. So there's one Trump that's like yelling about things and being a racist and then there's the other one that's like I don't know I is there a fake Trump I, don't. I did 10 hours of research this weekend on the moon hoax were you know were there were there 12 men that really stepped foot on the moon a lot of them are dead now uh, from 1969 to 1972, supposedly we had uh, many Apollo missions from Apollo 11 to Apollo 18 that landed on the moon. But then we have, you know, did uh, did Roman Polanski, not Roman Polanski, he's the, I have to remember all my, all my things that I studied this weekend. Anyways, I think it's a hoax. I don't think we've ever been on the moon because of the Van Allen belt that has so much radiation that just fries you, right? So the Russians have tried to send up dogs. And I looked up and they said, well, the Russians and the Chinese have also had people at the moon, which I don't believe. Not people. We can send like drones and things without people because they can sustain the radiation. But the Van Allen belt fries people and they say oh no you're just going through it so quickly that it doesn't do that but it does so I really do think that the whole thing was a hoax and um, and was staged in some awesome back lot you know movie scene uh, in the 60s with uh, the 2001 Space Odyssey director anyways I, I it's it's hard I did so I just don't believe if if we had landed people on the moon from 69 to 72, we would still be sending people up there. We're talking, this is over 40 years ago, right? This is 42 years ago that we supposedly landed people on the moon and we don't have moon bases already? Like, come on. 42 years ago, we sent people to the moon and we haven't done it again. We just continue doing low earth orbit and dealing with all the satellites we have and we send things out past the radiation belt, but no people? Really? It just seems... It just seems like, and I understand the hoax, all right? They stopped the Cold War, part of the Cold War, without a shot being fired. A lot of lives could be saved. We're coming out of the Bay of Pigs. We're coming out of a very scary nuclear event. Nuclear, God damn it! I always say it like nuclear, like George W. Bush or nuclear, whatever. It's the way I say it. But there was this huge Bay of Pigs thing, and everybody thought that we were going to blow up. Everyone thought we were going to die, right? And then we showed our technological advancement by landing on the moon. We did what JFK said in 10 years. We did it and everyone was so proud and happy and it was taking eyes away from the, you know, Vietnam War, war in Vietnam that was, it was taking attention away from that. And it was, the Cold War was beginning to burgeon and we were saying, no, 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 we've got this technology, we can do anything. And we scared people into submission. And for that, I thank the astronauts for their lies and for continuing to lie the ones that are alive and I know that Buzz Aldrin has hit someone in the face because they accused him of not doing it but when they're on their deathbeds I hope they come out and say it And but I applaud 
NASA and all the astronauts and all the people that have done this great work and that that stopped wars without a, a, a shot being fired, without a nuclear weapon being, you know, sent. Because we do have those and those do exist. Now, we've found that the Russians actually faked a bunch of their silos and they didn't have as many as we thought they did back when they did. Because it's all just... We're, we're, we're more powerful. We're more powerful. We have the technology. We're going to kill you. And so I get it. I, I get why you would sustain the hoax. I understand. But I wish that the American government would be honest with us. But it just, it just points out that they're lying to us about everything, that nothing is true, that the president is just a hoax, that all of this is not real. There, there is a shadow government that's been formulating our lives forever there's a reason why in the 1850s we were all homesteaders and they gave us land to go i mean demolish the indians and all that stuff but to build america and make people self-sustainable and they were like take that land and make it your own and you know be a farmer and have livestock and take care of yourself and now they're like go to a store and buy everything don't know how to make anything people can't even make toast i mean We've dumbed our people down to the point that they have no life skills. That everything, especially the rich people, we have, we have them so snowed. We have, we have new American slaves. It's called Lyft and Uber. It's called TaskRabbit. And I don't, I work so hard pushing around memos and building apps that I don't have time to do my own laundry. I don't have time to do my own shopping. So now we have the new little slaves, Instacart, are gonna go shop for you because you're too rich and too busy doing nothing to do your own shopping because you are so the opposite of self-sufficient rich people have no business of life they just give it to everyone else and when the fucking solar flare happens and your whole world falls apart and you don't have an iphone anymore and apps are ridiculous and they don't mean anything you are going to be bummed when you have no idea how to denature protein with heat what happens when you don't know how to use a microwave <gasps> ah! I actually am excited for the future because I have life skills and I'm going to survive and it's not going to be a big deal. But all you fucking rich motherfuckers in the city, you're gonna, you're all going to die. I don't think you're listening to this podcast anyway, so if you did, you would give me money to keep free speech alive. Go to mutinyradio.fm, click that donate button, please. You can always just PayPal whatever you want to us too to help keep free speech alive. Look at me, I'm terrible. So that I can rant and rave about the government fucking with your lives. Oh, I wish that LaToya was here. It's hard to do this show alone. I don't mean to be whiny. Uh, we'll do a little bit more drug policy news, and then we'll get to abortions with Narl. And not, a, I mean, it's not abortions. It's pro-choice America. But it's saying, you know, as women, we have rights and shit to make our own decisions and decide if we want to have a family or not. Because I don't. My family is built around lovely human beings that I drink with at the bar and people get mad at me about that but you know what I don't have any kids because I chose to love to drink and I have a fun time and whenever people give me shit about it I'm like little jelly aren't ya you too would love to be drinking on a Wednesday I'm not drinking yet but I I sure like to be I'm gonna smoke some pot in a minute I've got my vape pen I'm gonna chill out uh Advocates hold funeral march to demand government action on Overnose Awareness Day. It's exciting. Uh, advocates hold funeral march 
to demand government action on Overdose Awareness Day, which is tomorrow. Overdose, overdose deaths in New York City have increased for the past six years with a 46% increase in 2016 alone. On August 31st, National Overdose Awareness Day, overdose prevention advocates will unite in their grief to demand more action from local and state governments to decrease drug overdose deaths. Overdose takes the lives of more than of more New Yorkers than traffic accidents and homicides combined. In 2016, New York City had 1,374 drug overdose deaths, a 46% increase from the previous year. From 2013 to 2015, New York State lost 7,213 residents to overdose, and the state's overdose fatality rate has more than doubled in the five years that statistics have been reported with rates in suburban and rural countries, counties exceeding those of New York City. Advocates will march with the demolition brass band in a jazz funeral procession across midtown Manhattan to the New York City morgue to demand the immediate expansion of existing community overdose prevention services and implementation of new public health interventions to reach people most likely to experience an overdose. On the street in front of the New York City morgue, community members and elected officials will publicly memorialize the New Yorkers who have died of overdose and highlight specific government actions that can save lives. You can join Thursday, August 31st, 9.30 a.m. to noon. The march will begin at the Harm Reduction Coalition Office, 22 West 27th Street, the fifth floor at 9.30 a.m., and the rally will begin at 10.45 a.m. once the marchers reach the New York City morgue at Bellevue Hospital at 462 First Avenue between 26th and 28th Street. This is being put together by Drug Policy Alliance, Boom Health Harm Reduction Coalition, Housing Works, Vocal New York, GMHC, Rise and Resist, Families for Sensible Drug Policy, and people from across New York City who want to take action to prevent overdose fatalities. So over, what was it, 68,000 people died last year in the United States of opioid-related overdoses, specifically opiate-related. So it's, it's the fentanyl crazy. So just to put in perspective, that's the entire Giants stadium. So fill up, sold out Giants game, sold out. That many people, just for San Francisco people to put it into perspective. That was last year, okay? 68,000 people are dead. I mean, who cares? They were heroin addicts, right? Wait, let me do it in the let me do it in the Trump voice. Who cares? They were heroin addicts, and more severe penalties should be put on heroin addicts. Well, sixty-eight thousand people are dead, and that's a national emergency. That's that's a lot of dead people. I mean, it's a lot of dead, and that's last year. So, I mean, if you care, and it and and that opiate thing touches everybody, like. Do you have anything to say about opiate stuff, Josh? Now Josh is here. You have to get closer to the. There you go. There you go. Thinking about it as you've been speaking about it, and with all the people that are, are dead in relation to drug overdose, and how much you know it's, it is being flooded everywhere, and our U.S. military is protecting it overseas for giant corporations so they can make fentanyl and oxycontin and so on. But uh, just look at the list that everybody knows, though. 
We just lost Prince. Right. And okay. Exactly. Heath Ledger. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, right. the list. The list goes on and on. Right. From it's, iconic people. Sure. And most of these people were fed this by their fucking personal fucking doctors. Right. So. Well, it's when the thing is, it's a difference between taking. Fentanyl is only supposed to be in a transdermal patch form. Yes. It's, you're supposed to put it on for when you're like fucking dying. And literally. But what people are doing is they're taking it out and like mixing it in things. And it, it, it's really just scary. Soak, soak it in a shot of vodka and just like. Oh, it'll. That'll, if you want to kill yourself, that'll. I mean, if you. It's. Okay, so I took it once. I took a fentanyl patch and I didn't even take the whole thing. I. So it was 75 milligrams, which is way too much for my little body. And so I took a, a third of it. So I knew it was 25 milligrams and I cut the back off and I put it on and I had it on for like 48 hours and I was, I had the worst time I had to rip it off. I was barfing. It was, it was nuts. It was so awful. Well, my first experience <laughs> with it was uh, from a, uh a friend of mine who passed away at the age of oh. 21. He got, they found that he just had cancer just all over his damn body. Oh. You know, and uh, uh, that's what he was taking in the end, you know, when he was staying with his family and uh, going to the other side. And so, two of my buddies, his, his brother and, and my other buddy, are like, oh, let's take some of this fentanyl because he's like, fucking take some, it's great, you know? Right, like, right. And uh, my buddy took a quarter of a patch and like, yeah, he's like, he was done for two days. He's like, I'm never touching that shit again. No, that's... He's like, that shit is for people that are fucking dying. Exactly. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's way too strong. It's way like, too strong. I couldn't do anything. And it was a bummer because I had like a dinner party that Saturday night and I hadn't told my now ex-husband, we were still married. I hadn't told him that I took it. But when his dad was on his deathbed, he willed me all his dr drugs. So my ex-husband's father died of horrible liver cancer and... He had all these drugs at the end that he didn't like to take. So he had, he had Marinol pills, which are, are pharmaceutical awesome. grade. I love them. And he had 59 of them because they gave him 60 and he tried it and he's like, this is crazy, too strong. So like on his deathbed, he tells my ex-husband, give all my drugs to Pam. <laughs> so after his father dies, he comes back to me with like 11 fentanyl patches and all these Marinol and this really great drug. And I don't remember, remember what it's called, but it's pharmaceutical grade cocaine. So basically what they, they give it to people for visiting hours. If you're dying and you're on fentanyl, they give you a pill of this pharmaceutical grade cocaine and you're awake and you can talk to people and you feel good because you're on fentanyl and you're on this shit and you're like up. And so it sort of counteracts it. So I had all these great drugs and I ended up sending all the fentanyl patch patches in a, um, to my heroin addict friends in Manchester, England. Uh, they were writer buddies of mine and they were, they actually had kicked it or whatever, but I said, guys, I've got, I don't want these. I don't know what to do with them. And they're like, send them to me. So I put them in a CD case, this guy, Sam, and this other guy, I can't remember his name. I put them in a CD case behind it and I just sent it with no return address to Manchester, England. And they told me they got it. They're like, we got it. So, but I took the patch that one time and I was like, I'll never be a heroin addict. And when I finally told my husband at this dinner party when I'm like trying to cook and I'm all fucked up and I like laying down and like hanging out with a cat and they're like, what is wrong with you? I said, well, I've been on fentanyl for the past two days. And they're like, what? It's like, yeah, that's why I've been so out of it. But look what we all learned together. I'll never be a heroin addict. Yay! It was an exciting moment I for me. smoked it once. Uh, I would have, in, in retrospect, the next day for how shitty I felt, I've felt less shitty being way more fucked up just getting drunk and smoking a ton of pot. Right. And so, yeah. 
but yeah. uh, it's, I have it's puked, a real thing. And I, I have a lot so of friends going through really hardcore addiction right now. Yeah. Uh, I have I have friends that are they're losing their businesses. We oh. can't help them, uh, but we're not turning our backs on them. But there's nowhere for them to go. They want help and they want to go somewhere. But the programs they have to go through. And it's so expensive. We have a and, a friend too who just he just went through eight days of rehab and why? Because he got put in jail. Well, and, <laughs> but they, then, and then there's methadone. They're making so much money on methadone, which absolutely. is the same, same fucking thing, just right. with a less of a, a, a withdrawal. And then from there, they're going on, what's the other one, Suboxone uh-huh. after that to be able to wean from that. So they're just weaning to wean to wean. Sure. And, and even if that case, if it works, these facilities that they have to go to and check into are just... You, they're you not... You can well, go they're... in and there's a dude offering you a fucking line of cocaine sure. when you're going in, supposedly to go into this program to get help. Right. You know, and that, that fucking sucks. And they don't always have like a housing component. There's so many problems with with how we deal with drug use right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's right now the government, what Trump could do is declare a national emergency so that um, funds could be funneled into harm reduction strategies for people who are addicted to opiates and money so that they can go to rehab because mm-hmm. the guy that I know who he kind of he was his rock bottom he said was stealing money from us but it actually happened the following week when he got arrested and they put him in jail so he went through his own rehab of his not of his own volition of jail's volition for eight days and unfortunately that's the majority of people how they yeah. get access to rehab because you can go into general and be like I told him I'm like go to general go into the ER and say I'm addicted to smoking heroin. Help me. And he's like, it's not going to do anything. No. Uh, well, and I, I don't, and I don't I, have the room or the facility or the funding or the, or the people, funding, the right. staff, you know, like, uh, you have places like Walden house. Uh, you have, uh, what Delancey street, which that's a great fucking program, but they're, they're at the waiting list, the waiting you know? list. And, yeah. And what do you do when you're on the waiting list? How yeah. do you, and, 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 and they're accepting people that are really on board that are just like, I need this. Like, right. I want to change. Like, because if they don't and they fuck it up, they're not allowed back in there. They're, oh, they're screwed after that, you know. Yeah. But Walden House is kind of, it's kind of shitty. I, I dated a girl for a long time that she was an intake counselor for Walden House, Ooh. and the majority of people are coming straight out of jail as yeah. well. Yeah. And and a lot of them are like, sorry to say, are just really mentally fucked up people, I, regardless of their drug addiction or whatever. There's violent sure. people and they're being thrown into these houses where there are some people that are trying to get their shit together. Right. And it's causing too much problems. They started looking into harm reduction or talking about it because people every once in a while that were doing great with the program got busted smoking a fucking joint. Sure, and it's like, sure. oh, you're out. You know, you fucked Which up. Which is crazy. You know? like, yeah, you and can... so there's all these issues in there. But... but there's studies that have been done to show that weed can help you Mm-hmm. With can help reduce the symptoms of heroin, uh, well, I mean, like uh, what's it called when you withdraw? And it's accepted as well, though. It's like, look, man, this guy was smoking crack and shooting heroin, and now he's just smoking a fucking joint just so he can get by and get to work. Fuck it. Yeah. Let, let him smoke the fucking joint. You yeah, know what I mean? Course. Like, I have no problem like, with that. Hey, we can't condone this. Write you up. You got to do the dishes tonight or something. You know right. what I mean? But like, yeah, like. But you it. can. But the thing is that can you still smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol, or is alcohol not allowed? No, alcohol is definitely not allowed. Right. I'm not sure about the cigarette policy. Because it's all a drug. Nicotine's a drug, just like 
marijuana as a drug, but for Cigarettes some reason, they're the worst drug. They're terrible for you. They're horrible. They're the well, alcohol is one of the worst. <laughs> I think too, they kill more people than heroin. Is what we're talking about. <laughs> I can't quit the fucking things. I'm about to go smoke one right. Yeah, I know. I love. I love smoking too. I love smoking too. Uh, well, safe injection sites should be coming soon, and that'll be great because it it'll be a site, and California's already approved them. It's a place where people can acquire their heroin or their opiates in some other place. They come to the safe injection site. There's nurses that help them. There's clean needles. There's access to um, healthcare services and to if the thing is this: if you go to an, into a place and you shoot up or smoke it or do whatever, and you have um, it supervised. That's great because you're not going to overdose. You're not going to die. Instead of being in some alleyway or in a bus stop alone, being afraid of the cops and shooting uh, up and Civic dying. On the Center Bart fucking platform. The, right. Jesus fucking in, Christ. In, Have you walked down Market I, Street lately? It's, it's fucking unreal. It wasn't even this bad the, in the fucking 90s. In front of the um, library. I saw a person shooting up the other day and then they stuck their needle down into the grate. And I'm like, I can't. That is not. Don't. There's a disposal center right there at Civic Center. Can can you walk just a little bit and dispose of it safely? Um, but if there were safe injection sites, people would have access to services. Because if you keep shooting up in front of the same nurse for a month and she keeps saying, "Hey, you know, we I have a good program that you do," you don't think that you're gonna maybe start changing your mind if you create relationships with people who are professionals who are there to help you, like. I, I feel like it, it. I feel like it's a no-brainer, and it's job creation, which is great. Let's give people jobs, helping people. I mean, anyway, I have well, theories. Look at majority of the people in that, in that, in all those programs, especially like Walden House and so on. They're, they're all they're all ex addicts, and they know what's up, you know, and they're, they're there to help, and right. you know, but they all have their own uh, their own ways of dealing with it as well. So yeah, some well, people do tough I, love. Some people give hugs. You know what I mean? Right, and, right. and some people respond to different therapies in different ways. And some people are just, they've been gone and lost for a long time. Well, and they fucked their lives up to the point where I, I get it. My, my buddy who stole, he got to the point where he's like, I need money. I don't know where to get it. I found a place. I'm going to do that. And he's, you know, he's actually a pretty stand-up guy. But he got to the place where he was stealing from everybody. And that just happens. That's just normal. Like, because it becomes so overwhelming and life-changing, like, getting those drugs. You have to get them. So, well, I mean, why start? But that's the thing. We know that, hey, I'm never going to be an opiate opiate addict, and that makes me happy. But I also don't want to give a bunch of kids fentanyl and be like, hey, try it out and see if you... Because for some people, it clicks now. I mean, I love smoking weed, and I love alcohol. I love alcohol. But... Alcohol isn't a big deal for me because I, you, you're an alcoholic when the consequences of your drinking impair your life in some way. And I've sort of changed my life so that alcohol and marijuana do not impair what I'm doing. I'm not... You're a funny guy. I'm a, I'm a comedian, right? <laughs> so I'm in bars where I get to drink and I'm being funny. That works. I don't have any children, so I don't have any responsibilities. I don't drive a car, so I'm not ever going to get a DUI or get anybody, hurt anybody. I don't, you know, ride a bike, so I'm not going to get hurt. I If I get drunk, the worst thing that happens is like on Monday, I had to lay around for a while and barf and then be sad and miss I, I had to have a sub for joke workshop well, that's why I cut the hard liquor I'll just I drink like a 12 pack no no it was know? on on, mon- on Sunday night I just I didn't eat anything all day and then I went out and I had four IPAs and I was so sick on Monday and it's silly 
and people I wrote it on the internet and everyone's like you're so weak you're lightweight and I'm like <laughs> well I am you know I'm 123 pounds I'm a 42 year old lady and I didn't eat anything and I had four IPAs and it fucked me up. I had so much fun though. We had so much Honestly, fun. Now that I think about it though, for as long as I've fucking known you, I don't think I've ever seen you put anything, I don't think I've ever seen you eat a thing of food. I don't oh, think I've ever funny. seen you eat, ever. That's funny. <laughs> I have a banana in my backpack. I do eat, but usually, the thing is that I don't usually eat until later in the day if I do. Oh wait, no, I ate, I ate pot, pot still with you the other night. Right. We were no, I was asleep. I actually didn't eat. I made it and then I fell asleep because no, no, that no. was the you night that... You some of that down. Oh, did like, I? Okay, we good. We were standing up just shoving that pasta into our mouth like okay, the good. last thing on earth to eat. Okay, good. So I, I guess I have I, seen Okay, good. Once. That's I'm happy that I immediately ate. passed out. I was like, blah, I was out. I was, that was a hard... Oh no, then me and Jonathan stayed up and then ate the pigs of blankets. You didn't eat the Right, I didn't eat the, those little guys are so good. The Parmesan pups from TJ's Everybody, that's a good recommendation. Those things were fucking awesome. I love those things. And they're cheap. They're like $3.49 for 12 of them or something. They're it's a great deal. I love Trader Joe's. I went yesterday. Um, food stamps. Oh, so good. So good. Non-plug plug. No, I mean, I feel like food stamps, food stamps are an artist stipend, and it's so hard to live in the city. Our rents are so exorbitant, and I feel like, gotta, girls gotta eat. But, you know, my, my, Income from the station is not is not enough to sustain my life, but I have to sustain the station. So I used to have like a feeling about because I used to be a rich person and I, and people oh food stamps is for poor people pull up by your bootstrap work harder and I'm like if Fuck my it, I pay taxes I want it back give me my fucking food stamps. Well, the problem is yeah, but the problem is that my gifts are not monetarily. Uh, lauded or appreciated they're not appreciated monetarily by our society as a whole I'm an artist that works hard at being an artist I just don't get paid but art isn't my art isn't worth anything yet or something oh, I don't know art's only worth it when you die I know, you know but like, radio is you're not making it anymore so it's like oh it's exclusive but, uh, but ra- radio and podcasting exists it's like one of those it's a weird I see people making money off podcasting and I'm like I wonder how they're doing that and it's it's just about asking people for money. Ads and donations. Right. Ads and Try donations. And, merch, merchandising. Merch is so hard. Because you, when you buy the t-shirts, you got to get the right sizes, and then you have these extra sizes. Ah, poof. Hey, what do you think about abortion? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. The second part, of the, I always do two parts of news. One part is Drug Policy Alliance, and the second part is Not All Pro-Choice America, because the only news I really care about is uh, drugs and abortion. Well, no, it's, uh, it's it's uh, I I try to just stay away from it because uh, that's 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 for women to discuss as far as I'm concerned. Well, but it's you a know, human it's, rights it's, issue. It's, it's, it's all people. Deal. It's 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 their body, you know. Um, and fuck if the the darkest scenario if some poor girl gets fucking raped by some fucking monster and she gets fucking pregnant. Fucking egg. I'm sure she's gonna want that thing the fuck out of her. You know, like who's gonna want to have the children of the corn? You know, like, right. Uh, but I, I, I just, I just stay away from it. I mean, I've, I've had relationships in the past where, you know, I've, I've gotten a lover pregnant and, you know, they've decided that it's, they're not, and, and that's, that's, not my, I was a little upset about it, but Hey, that's, it's, it's not my, it's not I my can't imagine there, you know? loud Josh with a baby around. Oh my God. Oh my God. Actually, you would probably be a super nice dad. I'd be a terrible fucking husband. <laughs> right. Well, you don't have to get married to be a good dad. You could be a good weekend dad or a. 
you know, I don't know. I was raised in a broken home. I wouldn't do that to another kid. Oh, that's so nice of you. So, not having any of those. I'm on board with you on that one. Man. I'm not. I I love drinking, and I get it. Like, the thing, too, is that... I love what little money I have that I go paycheck to paycheck for. Right, you know? and what are you going to do, buy diapers? How the fuck am I going to take care of a kid? And diapers are expensive. And even if you get, like... That's the thing is... Um, disposable diapers are easy and cloth diapers are hard but cloth diapers are cheap but then you have to do so much fucking laundry either way your child is gonna shit and I mean, I'd be like the mom that would just start holding it over the toilet. Oh, I mean, I would build an apparatus that would just, he would just hover over the toilet. The oh, yeah. They may, and like then some kind of weird get... round bowl so it just pees in whatever direction because they, they really just pee in any direction whenever they want to. So sure. it'll catch it, drain down, and they, they can just poop. Have their little, you know, just like uh, Put it in the, the showers. The, little, the yeah. little things they can play with over the top of them, but the hole's cut out in the bottom. It's, you know. I totally agree time, with that. Here, the thing... I, you can do that with cats too, I think. Yeah, you can make cats um, go on. My next cat, I'm in a, I'm in a toilet train. Uh, it's actually a series of things that you put on your toilet. First, you it's easier if you have two bathrooms. I only have one toilet, so it would be kind of hard. But first, you put a litter box. Like, so there's the toilet seat, and then there's a litter box that's above the water, right? And that's the first step. And you get the cat to jump up and go in the litter box. The second step is that it's a litter box that's just around the ring. So there's actually, like, the hole in the middle. So there's the seat, and then there's, like, a litter box ring, and then there's the water. And so they and it takes less time to probably potty train a cat than it does to potty train a human. I'm being. sure it does. So then they sit on the side, and they go in the side of it. And then you just remove that ring, and then now the cat just goes in the toilet. And the cat just goes in the toilet. It just poops and pees in the toilet. It's pretty amazing. I've seen people's cats do it, so I'm like totally on board next with my next cat that he's gonna. Another big go. question is, do you teach him to flush afterwards? No, you don't have to teach him to flush. I mean, I guess you could. My cat high fives, so teaching him to flush wouldn't be that big of a, you know, thing. But I know I'm a crazy cat lady. I don't want a child. It's they're so expensive and they take up all your time, and you have to care like all the time about them. And you know what they're assholes they are so selfish they don't even under, they don't even understand yeah. yeah they get everything for free and then they yeah. see things in the store and they're like i want that i want that oh then grandma and grandpa completely uh, reinforce it because right. you know they were assholes to you growing up and now they feel kid, guilty just, yeah you know, spoil yeah. the fuck out of that fucker you know but also <laughs> I, I feel like for me women are given this um idea that you're not a woman unless you have a child especially in america there's this big push well i mean you're not you're not you're not a fucking american unless you're a, a family, a family person, person unless you, you know, unless like, you're yeah. this middle class dream God of kids you be a single mother right because that's still kind of an issue somewhere you know because oh you should not be allowed to be awesome and make your own fucking money and do what you want and raise a kid you know like, right although nobody would say that to a fucking guy you know like, right that's true well it's so anyways this is um gnarl put out i'll read this one thing from them and then well see this is this is the uh p- principle of progressives um and it's the statement of principles for progressives so if you're a democrat or republican you consider yourself a progressive if you call yourself a pro- progressive republican or you call yourself a socialist or call, whatever we're all progressives we're thinking about the future blah blah As progressives, we know we cannot have a real conversation about economic security that does not include the ability to decide if, when, and how to raise a family. That being able to plan a pregnancy has a powerful effect on educational attainment, career trajectory, and the chance to define our own destinies. As progressives, we stand united in understanding that policies that limit access to abortion and force medically unnecessary procedures are oppressive to women, especially low-income women and women of color. 
As progressives, we stand united in the belief that a woman's autonomy over her own body is not a secondary issue or a social issue, but rather a human right and a necessity in order to attain and preserve economic security in her life. As progressives, we acknowledge that the current economic system is exceptionally punishing of mothers, single mothers, and mothers of color whose wages, job opportunities, and economic advancement suffer due to the motherhood penalty. As progressives, we stand in our belief that the 21st century economic populism must include an understanding of how race and gender affect our economic reality and economic opportunity. As a progressive movement, we recognize that over the last decade, there has been a massive erosion of access to abortion and attacks on contraception, and we cannot back away from this fight without abandoning people and undercutting core constituencies in our base. As we always have, progressives share our party with people who personally don't believe that abortion is an option for them. This includes self-identified pro-life legislators up until the moment they seek to impose those personal views on their constituents and the country. If they vote to restrict abortion access or contraception access, then they undercut the party platform and they undercut the welfare of women. We strive for and believe in personal evolution and growth. So if they have voted to do so in the past, the burden of proof is upon them through subsequent votes and or public statements, not in the heat of a campaign, but prior to running for office or re-election. Thus, as progressives, we know to organize, mobilize, and win elections, we must feel candidates who understand the integral nature of these core values and bring the full power of our collective base to win. Yay! I believe in that. Thanks, Narl. I think it's pretty succinct. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of this discussion always as well, um, especially from the opposing side, and in, in, in my opinion, at least, it still all just goes back to Roe versus Wade and people just wanting to battle over Supreme Court decisions on what people should and should not be allowed to do with their body, even though the fucking Supreme Court has already deemed it cool for almost three fucking decades at this point. Okay, like... Well, it's actually, it was, Roe v. Wade was, happened in 1974, so it's actually 42 years, because I was yeah. born in 1974, so... Uh, and, and happened here in San Francisco at the Ninth Circuit Court, which is pretty much the most liberal, considered the most liberal court in the fucking world, you know, and that's why the conservatives on the other side have been systematically trying to remap the Ninth District so right. they have less saying power out here because the Ninth Circuit has always made the best decisions for the people of this country. Yeah. The other circuits, uh, so much. You know, so much. You know, uh, some of them are all right, but no, Ninth Circuit, represent. Represent. Well, let me have... An abortion whenever I need to have. I have an IUD now, so it doesn't matter because from my last abortion, uh, I, I just had one put in. Education about Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, uh, people shouldn't be blindly going into it. Yeah, just like, oh, I got pregnant again. Let's just suck this thing out of me. Of right, right. But a lot of people just stand on that one ground and argument to completely demonize. Well, and- uh, it would if I. So Jonathan and I got pregnant when I was forty. So that's when they put my IUD in. I think I was thirty-nine actually, and we had only been together for like solidly for six months we'd been together for a year pretty much but we had had our committed relationship going for like six months and I I kind of knew when it happened too and I was like oh no and then my period didn't come and anyways I was like oh you know it's my dismay there's the pee on the stick and oh god and I mean you know Jonathan at the time he was 29 he does not he actually it might have been a good time but it's a terrible time 
with our lives and the amount we love to drink and it would have ruined our relationship. We're very happy now and I completely if we would have had a kid there's no way oh, we'd still be together the yeah there'd be a, there'd be right a two-year-old right. damn it, junior shut the fuck exactly up. it would be it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a good choice i'd have a two-year-old right now jonathan and i would have a two-year-old our life would be so different and not in either way that we would want like at all and i recognized that right away and we didn't even need to discuss it that much and i didn't feel like it was a moment for me where i was like though this is my last chance. I'm either going to, if I want to have a baby, this is it. I'm 39. This is the time to do it. And I didn't. And I was like, I'm lot, not ever going to want one. Your head. I mean, like, you know, the girls I love going through, I mean, I, I watched them go through all kinds of shit going over this. You know oh, I, mean? I didn't, like, I didn't want. Moral, moral, I mean, not, not, no moral issue like, at all. I mean, and I was raised super Christian. Issues. There's also, you know, that, that, the, the, the the personal safety and health of it anyway. I mean, ripping a child out of your fucking body when your it body was, is going through its natural changes is not good for the body. It and was so like a, a like a heavy period. It, well, it was no big deal. But it was honestly, it didn't, I didn't have any moral, to, I didn't have like moral compunction. And I grew up Christian. I used to be on the other side. I used to be one of those well, pro-life people, you know, weirdos. Some people are going to, some women are going to. Well, yeah, and, and but it's a scary process. Sure, and, know, and like, some women are some all. Some people, it's still terrifying. And when I was in my early 30s, and I'd only had sex with my husband, and I moved to San Francisco, I still thought that having sex with people was like a big deal. Like I was like a fucking high school girl with it. Like, oh, if you have sex with someone, you up, they love you, and it means so much, and it's this thing. And I feel like we've put this whole stigma on sexuality and all this stuff, and I just, I don't know. Like even even farther emotionally and psychologically and um, and philosophically human relation to each other isn't as big as we fucking make it everyone's got a big people make so much drama out of really not that much and I just don't understand how I don't know how it gets for example I don't have I don't talk to my family at all like and I don't people are like oh that's so sad and I think not really you I was my trained <laughs> you know my, but, but I was sort of trained through theater and through things to get really close to people and camp and all that and then let them go and you never talk to them again like it just kind of happens with relationships you don't have to keep it every relationship when you move around the country like I it have happens. for the past fucking 20 years and you know how many cities I've lived in how many great connections I've made with brilliant fucking people but at this point it's just Facebook and fuck Facebook fuck I don't Facebook, even use that yeah. thing anymore but you know? when you when you're in a re- and you can have relationships with people that are that are, seem so important and are so great and then they go away and you don't have to like on TV, they're like, I held a candle for for her for nine years, or I care. Give me a break. Get over it. It's the same thing well, with like she's stuck on a oh, fucking island somewhere. Is yeah, like castaway. Like, <laughs> or like <laughs> if you had an abortion and you're like, you're just you're so oh the child and is it alive? Whatever. Like you make choices. It's just life. Everybody chill the fuck out. Oh, you know what I would like to say about this real quick though is 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 about this now in regards to abortion and groups of abortion. What is wrong with these sick fucks that go down to fucking family areas with, like, pictures that personally I think look like amazing heavy metal album covers? Right, okay? exactly. Like, it's just like, but, but are still incredibly fucking disturbing. Now. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? Sure. And, and fine, like, I, do, I was down at Pier 39 the other day because I, I worked down there on, on the butt. I bartended on the butt, you know? Oh, yeah. And so, 
I'm there, and these fucking people, these mouth breathers from fucking Livermore or wherever the fuck they're fucking from, okay, are sitting here with these signs that are just, they're fucking brutal, like yeah. carcass album cover fucking yeah, yeah. shit, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And to me, it's just like, all I see are hundreds of fucking three and four year old kids walking around. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a big guy like, hey, you know, for the kids, but... Anybody that's going to sit there and blatantly do that unless they're just wearing a cool heavy metal t-shirt and they're just walking through. Sure. That's got some fucking mental defect, okay? Like, and if and, it's and, a and, dude? I, people will sit there. I, I fucking yell at them. I'm like, hey, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Yeah. Yes, this is a real talk, a topic. I told him I was like, hey, this is a real topic. You have the right to feel this way about this, but why the fuck are you showing these fucking signs that these kids have no idea what you're fucking talking right. about? And there's no pertaining to and you chosen the wrong fucking venue. What are you gonna do? Go to Great America? You're gonna go to a fucking amusement exactly. park? Exactly. Yeah. That's Outside of Disneyland, they they're standing yeah. at an amusement park yeah. uh-huh. with these fucking signs. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And they're saying that the, the choices they make for themselves are the choices I should make for myself. They don't know. That's the thing. Have it's you like, seen some of these people? They should have yeah, been aborted to begin with. Absolutely. Like, and like seriously. When I see people with, when I see people with, okay, I saw this on the BART the other day and I wanted to punch these parents in the face. So there's these two parents and they're both ugly people, right? They're kind of dumpy and fat and they have triplets. They have two boys and a girl who are all exactly the same age and they're like maybe four and they're ugly as fuck. And you know what they have? They have a two-year-old as well, and that child is also ugly. And I got to say, hey, assholes, you didn't win the genetic lottery. You're ugly, you're ugly. You had three ugly kids, and you had a fourth? You thought the fourth was going to be any better than the three you had? You fucking asshole. They're drinking my water during the apocalypse. You're fucking ugly Mm -hmm. kids that, why did you have a fourth? Why would you do that? Who the fuck do you think you are? The hubris. The hubris. Of you, you pretentious motherfucker. How much money do you have? You're gonna have four kids. Yeah. Fuck you. And you know what? You could have adopted a fourth kid that might have been good looking. Oh, no, they you voted. Fat for, they voted for Trump also, and then they want to have all these programs cut, which the idiots are collecting on with all their right. fucking kids. With all the, four kids. Yeah. Four kids under five, I and they're a, all ugly. What are you doing? I saw a family a while back. Uh, <laughs> Such and, a and, jerk. And this poor bastard. All I could think was for this this poor son of a bitch. Right at his wife. She, she seemed okay enough. They seemed like simple, simple folk, you know. Mm. Um, they had three kids with them as well. Two of them, obviously, obviously were like special needs. Like they sure. had some some definite uh, uh, autism. Like uh, you know, it's some you, spectrum you, stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, you know. Um, and and it's just like I thought to myself, man, this poor bastard. And the third kid looked a little like off too. It's not even like an ugly thing. Like these these kids were off, and I'm just like. Dude, why did you why did you keep going, bro? You know, I was like, you poor bastard. Did you just want to have a normal one, and it's just not oh. gonna happen? You know, like. But I, I felt really bad for the guy though, and for his family. His uh, his two daughters. I remember that. Why is there so they much were nice kids? But it's just they're gonna have to we, take care of those kids for the rest of their lives. When we were know? growing like, up, that's not even eighteen. You're out the door, go get a job. No, no, they're stuck with the these spectrum kids for the rest of their lives. It's crazy. You know, you you and I grew up at a time. Do you remember? I don't remember any kids having autism when I was growing up. I do. I knew some autistic kids. One kid was at my high school, and the more of the problem with him was his fucking parents, because mm. he was actually smart and he was going to normal school, even though that he had a lot of social problems. Sure. He could he could do stuff. He could do schoolwork, and the the, the I, I can't remember high high functioning um, on the spectrum. Yeah. Um. The 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 one he he didn't look you know too bad. You know, it was more so <laughs> that his parents treated him. Poorly, and so kind of kept him more in the like, right. oh, I'm retarded, you know, whatever. Sure. 
this kid could pick up a fucking guitar and listen to any song once and fucking play it. Oh, that's it amazing. It was fucking unreal. My, my buddies tried to play music with them and they jam with them, but they're, they're like, yeah, it's weird. You actually kind of have to shimmy him up onto the area, put the guitar on him, right. you know, like do whatever, and then he'll ask to hear it, but then all of a sudden he just goes to town and just starts fucking jamming. Wow. He's like, it's fucking cool as shit. Sure. I mean, a lot of people... Some people will say that like autism is actually nothing more than just us mutating to a different way, but it hasn't caught up to the rest sure. of society that there's really something going well, on there. Well, and it, it makes sense because extra special abilities, extra super fucking crazy abilities that a lot of but autistic they're, people have. They're not able to socially interact, but either are we now. We're actually trying to make ourselves autistic by having all of these handheld devices. It's so funny to me that instead of like interacting with people now, if you don't want to talk to someone, you just look at your little piece of plastic and scroll around and it tells people like I'm not listening to you do you know and we but we're okay with that now like we've decided and you can be communicating with people on this device while there are people in front of you that you don't have to communicate with well did, did your did your schools growing up did they not have like special education classes no they did but there I don't remember there being any Okay, so I went to... A I mean, you'll have, like, uh, kids with cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm, you'll mm-hmm. have autistic kids. I, know, we didn't like, have any... I don't remember um, any autism. We had... A, well, I mean, we, we had a lot here in the Bay Area, at least in, in Richmond. I grew up in Richmond. I grew, up, I grew up in Danville with all the rich kids. But yeah. I think that the reason was that the first... They probably thought that I was on the spectrum. But the first eight <laughs> grades of my life, I went to um, a Christian private school. So I was in the class with the same... 21 kids. I don't kids. think they have special ed classes. My, my no, brother, there was my no special ed. To, at that my, place. my family tried to send me to that. I deliberately, like, you know, you know, when, uh, and was it a train spotting when that dude deliberately fucks up the job interview? Sure. So, you know, like, I pretty much did that when they tried to send me to, like, Christian school. I was like, God, yeah, right. like, what, you're like, you like, Satan, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got all weird. They, they, they didn't let me in. No, they don't have special education there. No, they you didn't have I mean? special ed. Like, but when I was in high school, school thing, like, when I was high school, I was public school, and I just don't remember. Like, well, in Danville, where you're at, the people that have kids that have special needs have money to send their kids to a specific school right. so they can get by. Sure. You know, when, when you're growing up where, around where I grew up, I mean, I grew up in around Panola, which is a little bit nicer than Richmond, but it was still the same school district. A lot of kids were getting shuffled around. I mean, fuck, my junior high school had 2,600 fucking kids in it wow. for 7th and 8th grade. We only you know, had... We pa- there was 40 kids packed into portable fucking rooms. Wow. And, like, wow. That's yeah. a lot. My yeah. school had... My well, high school had... Because it was Richmond Unified School District, and 12, we wanted to take all the education from the Black Panthers and the African Americans that grew up in our community and neighborhood. Which is a real thing. Yeah, no, it's... I, but no, I know, conspiracy <laughs> theories. Uh, well, let's go smoke. We're going to listen to the second half of the AltaCast today. I got to go back to work. Oh, you got to go back to work? Yeah, I'm working right now. Oh, that's great. San Francisco uh, Couriers represent. Represent. Uh, go support your local courier today. We're going to listen to um, another podcast that I was on called Lift Me Up San Francisco. And it is with... Zia Ahmed and he has a wonderful book out called Lift Me Up San Francisco and you guys are going to love this podcast so enjoy the DEA it's fine I'm not going to worry about it. and then they're gonna, we're going to legalize marijuana is legal in California for the moment yay dang it it's not playing yet it says get started I've got to get their little podcast player and they say I don't have it and that that is a bummer uh yeah. Finally got me on the radio. Yeah. Yay. Finally got Loud Josh on the radio. Hooray. Have a good day at work. All right. Oh, will you leave me a cigarette? Thank you. I, as I'm yelling into the microphone for all the people out in the world. 
Uh, I'm gonna try to figure out this Libsyn player thing. Uh, because, thank you. Uh, because it's gonna be, this is season two, episode three, Lift Me Up San Francisco with Zia Ahmed. And it's an hour and eight minutes and I wanna try to get it started. And it's not gonna let me. So, will bummer. I was really hoping to listen to this right now, but it is not making happiness or happening because I have to get some sort of pod player. Thanks again to Loud Josh here on Mutiny Radio. It does require basic info like your email address. I'll give it to you, Lipson. I don't care. Just let me play the thing. Anyway, let's uh, see if I can listen to some... Will it play? It doesn't want to let it play because it's saying that I need its podcast player. It's being a jerk. I should play some music for you guys or something uh, while we're waiting. Thanks again to Loud Josh for hanging out. Um, and that's a thing. Dang it, I really want to listen to this because, because I don't want to talk for the next hour, but it'd be me talking and that would work out. Uh, but we did do the news, which I'm really happy about. And uh, it's fun to talk to dudes about abortion and stuff like that. Uh, hey, I'll try to get on this. While I do that, we'll put in a CD. This is a Sada Messiah, and they played on the 19th live, and they were great. And uh, let's, they're really funny, like the, the names of their songs are Mexorcist, Cannabis, per, Cannibals Prefer Blondes, They Call Me the Wizard, Devil on a Cross, Dharma Nazis, Gastric Fistula, Montezuma's Reze- Moctezuma's Revenge, Tsunami Evacuation Route, and Tears of Tapatio. That's how funny they are. They're so funny. I like them. So we're going to listen to a little Asada Messiah while I try to work out the technical issues here on Mutiny Radio.
playing and it started playing and then it went away. about this project is that I am a Lyft driver and as I drive around San Francisco I like to ask my current passenger to leave my next passenger a message um, those messages are what we talk about during this podcast and I talk to various uh, comedians from around San Francisco the Bay Area and all over the West Coast um, and get their views on some of these messages some of the things that's going on in their life it's a fun little show today I had a chance to speak to my friend friend uh pam benjamin who is the captain over at mutiny radio and i absolutely had a fantastic time she is an incredibly incredibly talented woman she's a she's the she's a director over there she calls herself captain um and i got a chance to sit down and talk to her she had uh, runs open mic she hosts multiple podcasts you can check out all of her um work uh over at mutinyradio.com so you can definitely check that out and we spoke a little bit about um some of the things that she's working on, some of the open mics and stand-up comedy, and then, of course, we were talking about some of the messages uh, which I was collecting in uh, my car as well. And uh, it was a very fun episode. I hope you guys like it. Make sure you leave me some feedback. Check out the show. What you been up to, Pam? I want to know. Tell me. We talked about it last week on the Some Call Me Tim podcast, Uh but I'd watched that... um, that stupid movie, The Secret, and it actually works. I've been doing it this week, and I'm telling you, thank you, Netflix, for shaping my entire life and existence. But I did a bunch of the stuff from the movie, and it worked. Like, I wanted to lose five pounds, and I did. Like, and I didn't even, I just was thinking positive thoughts, and it was so weird. And then I was trying to think positively about the station, and all of a sudden, all of these people came to me last night and wanted to potentially um, have marketing with us. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. So I have to send them like marketing packages. and For mutiny. For mutiny, yeah. So right. all of these crazy things have been happening in this week because I haven't been dwelling on um, what what is wrong with or what's missing from my life, but I've been looking with at my life with gratitude and, and thanking the people and the situations and thanking 
myself for right. the situations that I've put right. myself into. Right. So it's just a huge perspective shift. I love it. That's been really positive. And now, everyone's like, you're in a really good mood and you're nice all the time. And now, I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. And how how close to Scientology does this get? Because I feel yeah. <laughs> this well, is, there are no these things. are the several, Although this I is do, the basic uh, foundation of of, of the, the <laughs> plate, um, what is it, getting the Thetans out of your body or somehow moving the Thetans onto other levels. You know, I believe in everything. I don't know. I also believe in aliens. I, I little green men come down. The, the the grays are after us all. What do you Orbs. think the aliens come down to do? Do you think they're banging all those people no, and those think, animals and like just fucking up our crops and stuff? Like <laughs> I think that there is a lot of experimentation. I think they're they're highly highly scientifically advanced, and they have ways to heal us that we don't know about. I think that they're doing some testing that way. I think that they're taking our DNA. But why does it sperms. always ha- Why does it always happen to the guy from the Midwest? Because that's like, where the- why is it always? But it's never any other ethnicity. You don't have like a brown person coming up from like or from somebody from Africa from there saying that. Yep, I got molested. Nobody says. Well, that. it's not even the molestation. It's that they no Asian people sperms <laughs> never an Asian person. <laughs> but uh, Colorado Springs was the last guy that I totally believe in, and and I I have I have a friend. He's at the station. He does close encounters with Chuck Weiss, and he's been abducted by aliens. I've read his book. I completely believe him. Uh, he says he has weird scars. He shows pictures, high strangeness, people following him. The same thing as the other story that I watched. Thank you, Netflix, again. And Stan Roma, Romachek or whatever. And he does home video of aliens. And every time I've been watching it, I get goosebumps. I've showed it to 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, my boyfriend, other people. And they're like, Pam, this is faked. I'm like, it's not, not if you believe Stan. If you believe Stan, then it's real. And I believe Stan. And the same thing with Chuck. I believe my friend Chuck. But I've never been abducted because I think I live in a big city and they go out to places like the Midwest where you have lots of space and they can bring their spaceships down and take you away. It's never even a Canadian, like literally, not even Canadians get abducted. Well, you never come to, well, about eight o'clock at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like true. it's literally but just it's, the Midwest. It's, like it's how even, the fuck? It's Area Fifty One. It has a lot to do with um, Arizona, Utah. <laughs> Uh, and also, like, I think it has a lot of governmental testing. I think the government sure, is known 100%, about it. 100%. But the reason, going back to why I think that aliens are stealing our DNA and our eggs, is that they're trying to splice alien DNA and human DNA to make sort of a new human uh, that they can Whoa. maybe that can live in space or breathes differently, something like that. But I honestly believe that there's so many things on the planet Earth that are already alien. Let's look at the cats. They have those weird alien eyes. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I read, I understand cat. They talk to me. I can read their minds and they read mine. They're great. Bow to your alien overlord, the cats. I think, uh, you know what? And this is funny because I've had this theory for a long time and it was just completely validated by a movie that was made in 1978 by Disney called The Cat from Outer Space. I didn't even know about this movie. I just found out about it two days ago. And I'm like, obviously my theory is real because they were talking about it in 1978. Disney knows and Disney was completely in with all that weird CIA stuff. Disney was in on it the whole time. So Disney knew about The Cats from Outer Space. I I didn't I just came up with my own independent theory. Now, so how are you going to use this knowledge, Pam? On stage in comedy, <laughs> <laughs> I have so many theories. I believe the T Rex bones were put back together wrong. Hey, everything we know about everything is completely false because they put the bones back together wrong. It is so <laughs> dumb. Okay, they say now all oh, the T Rex dinosaurs were birds. All how'd right, you, how'd you figure that? Because the paleontologist said that dinosaurs were birds. Uh, and so here's the thing, though: when you look at the T Rex, you go. Now, why why would this B-52 
big, beefy, yeah, big, beefy legs. Where, and he was kind of tilted over because of that weird, on his hip, like a hip bone on, on his back. But he has an articulated spine from his head to his tail. But you put a hip cap on it? The hubris <laughs> of man to make the biggest, coolest dinosaur look just like man. If you take the dinosaur and you take that hip cap and you flip it upside down, you make it a breastbone. I've deboned over a thousand birds in my life. And every single one of them, whether it's a turkey, a duck, a quail, a chicken. No, but they do say that. Like They the- have a breastbone. Like, chickens are little dinosaurs. Like, that's right. actually a thing. Except that they actually have wings. So, here's the thing. If you take that, imagine a dinosaur with that stupid hip cap. Mm-hmm. Take that, flip it around, make it a breastbone. Now the legs go up to the top, and instead of big, beefy legs, you have big, beefy wings. Ah! Okay, so here's the thing. The fast muscle twitch, they said, or whatever, they could only, like, run 25 miles an hour. But if they were flying, and here's the thing. Where do we get all the dragon mythology from, idiots? Why would we have so many stories about dragons all over time? St. George and the Dragon. It goes all the way back. The T-Rex bones were put back together wrong because of the hubris of man. How many other things are wrong that we all believe because men are so into themselves and everything cool must look like us? Let's look at the cephalopods. Amazing huge squids. Those aren't aliens. Those weren't implanted from another place. They have huge tentacles and they swim around. They get to be like 50 feet long. That's alien and weird with eyes. You know, like, it's there are too many things that we see in our world. I love where you're going with this. <laughs> I love it. I dig it. I think like you put in so much thought behind this. Like this is countless, countless hours of uh, going over this theory. I love it. I'm so uh, <laughs> terrible. I, I texted him and said, I'm going to be on air for the next hour. And then he called me. That's <laughs> cute. Uh, but so, yeah, I do. I have, I have lots and lots of theories. The, my newest, I'm so excited. What, um, what, what's, what's the new I'm one? going to force myself to lactate without having a child. This is possible. I've read a lot of blogs about it. Women who have adopted babies from other countries or whatever that they want to lactate, you can you can make yourself lactate right. <laughs> so that they can have a they can have a bond with their child, etc. Well, I smoke so much weed that I want to lactate and I want to make TH cheese. TH cheese. So it's breast milk cheese. It's obviously going to have marijuana in it because I smoke so much marijuana, and I'd like to test it and see how much, how much THC is in my breast milk. I'm very interested yeah. because I mean I'm never going to have a baby. I definitely think that's an interesting thing that there, there definitely should be a study on this. And so if I can, without a doubt, if I can pump and dump, I can eat extra calories every day, and I can make my own breast milk. I can actually use my body for one of its intended purposes, which is to be a machine for food. But I'm not. It's not like. <laughs> Secondarily, That's all it is, a machine for food. A machine for food. But secondarily, it's also to save the vegans. I love cheese, and it saddens me to no avail that, that poor vegans, I feel like the reason they're in such a bad mood all the time is they don't get to eat cheese. Because it's one of the most amazing things created in the universe is cheese in all of its forms. So if we give them cheese from consenting women who have given up their breast milk, that we Jeez. turn into cheese... No women were hurt in the making of this cheese. No, I'm sure eventually we can enslave some Indonesians to get some, you know, like, <laughs> to get some lemongrass flavor in there. We might want lemongrass or garlic or something. So eventually, but I would pay, I would pay free oh trade breast milk. I'm going to pay the same amount to a college girl who wants to drink all the time, but uh, doesn't want to gain the freshman 15. So I say, lactate, pump and dump, baby. Give me that breast milk. I will make it into Dig cheese. It. I think that there's a product here. All the vegans. Is, is there an app for that, Pam? 
I, I don't, is there an I don't app, know. Is there an app? I have a dumb phone. I don't know about apps. I don't. <laughs> APPs, is that what you, they, you call them? They call them <laughs> APPs. You're not, you're not on the app. You're not on the Tinders. You're not on the... <laughs> I have a dumb phone. My phone doesn't even connect to the internet. Really? I'm old school. I'm 42, dude. I love it. I was born in 74. I absolutely love it. All the children I know, too, they... I have a friend, Daria, and she says, Nanny Pammy, when are you going to be a real adult and get a smartphone? And this is like right by where we're walking by the free Obama phones. She's like, you can get a free phone right there. And I was like, okay, first, I'm not going to get an Obama phone because they put chips in them and the government's going to know everything about me. Thank you. No. And they're going to know everything. They're going to know everything. And two, once you get a smartphone, you can't go back. Once you have a small computer in your pocket, you can never not have a small computer That's in your true. pocket. That's you true. Just, and then you forget that it's a small computer. It's just your phone. Yeah. But I still like, <laughs> I never want to have one. Right. It's interesting. <laughs> what I find, what I, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, I, I definitely don't think I can ever, ever, ever go back. But um, it was, it's fascinating because I, I was back home in Pakistan a couple of weeks ago. And over there, I, there I, my, my aunt's uh, 13-year-old lives with us now uh, in Pakistan with my parents. And she was with me and I was listening to music on, my, uh, on, on some player, right? And she comes up to me and she asks, Ziabai, do you have a do you have a music player? I'm like, what? Like, do you have a music player? I'm like, what do you mean? This is what are you talking about? She goes, You don't have an iPod? I can't oh. believe you. Like, I thought you were the cool one. Like, but your iPod you don't have, is an iPod. Yeah. She they she didn't, didn't know understand. she didn't know that. Oh. She did not know that, and she was totally like <laughs> a different. Like, wait a second, whoa, 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 whoa! You're telling me that that thing can do both of those, <laughs> right? And yeah, like, it can yeah. do all. It's a it it's do, a tiny computer. It can do all that shit. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it was just it was just a surreal experience for her because I, for a moment there, wasn't the cool one, Ooh. and I, I was also I was I was hurt. I want I want to remain the cool one, <laughs> right? You know, like I gotta stay that. So so that was fun. Our um, phone's seeing still them. A, our phone's still attached to the wall in Pakistan? <laughs> Do they have like the little curly cord? Is it like going back to the 70s? Is that what it's like going to Pakistan? Yes, it is. I imagine, exactly I imagine it's like. like going to 1978. <laughs> like where you go back, everyone's wearing polyester and like they're still listening to disco. Am I am I just a racist or what's happening? <laughs> like, Dude, that that's that's the shit, man. Bell bottoms, everybody's right, rocking. Yeah. Um, sure, yeah. polyester, well, hanging out in the streets. It, in certain uh, neighborhoods, it is. Perhaps uh, you gotta you gotta remember it is a city of 27 million oh, people, wow. so there's a lot of people that do million. a lot of weird shit. How big is it though? Like we're seven Huge. by seven, and we have a million. No, it's, it's but like, it's, like, it's like it's like the entire. It's Bay like the area. size. It's the size of LA. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Because when I think, okay, so that it's like the size of the entire Bay Area, including the Bay itself. Yes, for so sure. It's like, <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So the thing about it is like, you know, the whole. Mill Valley all up in there, yep, Richmond yep, yep, across yep, the bridge, yep, yep, all the way down, yep, 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 yep. all the way. Absolutely, yeah, wow. way more than that, way more than that. All the way down to like San Jose. Modesto or something. No. Oh, yeah, it's wow. like that bad. It's like that big. It's crazy. It's 27 million people. Yeah, man, but it's a trip. Like, it's an interesting experience. Like, I think that uh, people, uh, I hear people talk about traveling to Asian countries to unwind. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Karachi is definitely not one of those places that, that that could possibly happen it's like there are millions of these people and they're all 
over the place. It, are you mean like all over the place like India, like they're homeless and they sleep on the ground or all over the place like... <laughs> that too, that okay. too. There's a lot of homeless people. I, it's, pretty it's pretty unfortunate. I've At nighttime, it's Dude. hard. You have to step over people. Dude, yeah, well, certain neighborhoods, yeah, sure. <laughs> but then, but but like the thing is that there, it's not just that people are homeless, but there are actually, uh, there are homeless people mafias, what? and like yeah, yeah, like these guys are the people who are beggars on the street, and the kids that like ask people for money, and they're like handing that stuff out. Uh, yeah, pool their money together like little socialists. Yeah, and they give it to their yeah, (laughs) and then they divide it up again. Well, a little bit, yeah, yeah. But there's also a lot of violence. There's also a lot of trafficking. There's also a lot of child abuse. There's a lot of physical abuse, sexual abuse. I'm sure as well. Drug abuse. There's a lot of drugs and shit. Right. So that's not. uh, (laughs) It's not that wonderful. But like, but 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 that's that's what that um kind of life is over there. You know, I think that's pretty fascinating. I had to explain to a 12 year old today about heroin. That was interesting. (laughs) And she said, and she was so smart. Did you tell her how great it is? No, I I don't like this. But she said, she said, it's really sad when people are so sad that they take a drug that makes it so they're like almost dead. So it's almost like they're thinking about if they want to be dead, but then they decide to be alive again. And I was like, that's a pretty spot on explanation of heroin, my friend. Mm. She's like 11. So good job. Yeah. I was like, all right. We were at a park and. There was we had an issue in the bathroom oh. with the person and, <laughs> and their kit we saw their kit like they had they were coming there's Ouch. A, at that one particular Ooh. bathroom they have a locking door Ooh-wee. and it's so it's like and yeah it's a bummer that that's happening in San Francisco that's but it's true. a reality like but I, have you have you heard of the new the whole new synthetic version of heroin oh the fentanyl yeah fentanyl it's terrible it's pharmaceutical insane. grade yeah it's like fifty to a thousand times stronger than heroin. People are dying. It's people are dying all everywhere. It's more. There are more people dying now. And it, actually, in 2016, there were more people that died from uh, opiate overdose than yeah. from car accidents. Yeah, all, there were two accidents combined. It was like two two different, but more than car accidents, and that's insane. And this year, it's even higher. And uh, that's why they're trying to push for, I mean, so it was a thing that happened today. I was with a child. We went to a bathroom. Something shirted up. Okay, so what we're doing in San Francisco, we just passed something and it's happening in California, are safe injection sites. And they've, there's this one they've done and it's been open for 13 years. I think it's in Canada, but no one's ever died from an overdose. Zero, zero deaths. So a safe injection site is like where they get their drugs somewhere else and they come to a place and there's nurses and there's access to mental health care there's that access amazing. and they shoot up under the supervision yeah. with clean needles of yeah. a nurse Aren't they, and medical professionals right. and then they go about their day they're so, getting nice and fucked up in front of everyone like I love it but it's like the, in absolute peace it's great this is fantastic like they actually have a lot of these type of clinics and stuff in all over Europe already yeah, like in, Swiss, in Switzerland you can actually go to these clinics and get you know <laughs> get shot up and then like get right. out like, well, you, yeah you get your heroin somewhere else but then it's just right. but it only makes sense because if you're a heroin addict you're gonna do it anyway right. and if we stigmatize the people and we put them we make a draconian law with the right. police then they're gonna <laughs> hide in an alley right. and they're gonna get a bad batch with fentanyl and they're gonna be dead yeah so then if we don't start having safe injection sites it seems to me that we just want all the heroin addicts to die because they're jerks what you know like yeah. it's, it's so I guess then it's not a sickness or a disease. It's it just terrible the way that we look at drug use in this country, that it's stigmatized. Yeah. And I mean, nobody wants to be a heroin addict. All over the world, man. All over the world, yeah. 
exactly. It's not like you grow up and you're little and you're like, you know what yeah. I want to be? I yeah. want to be a heroin addict. <laughs> but when, you know, your uncle touches no, they, you they, and your dad hates you and something else happens and you turn 16 <laughs> and, I mean, I've watched yeah, 19 seasons sure. of intervention. I know why people <laughs> turn to heroin. I've watched it. I know why they turn to meth. I don't, I don't understand, you know, it's the, I could never the meth with the missing teeth once you start oh losing teeth it's too scary <laughs> that, I agree man. but who doesn't want to be awake yeah, all the yeah, time yeah, yeah, wow no the, it bothers me a lot it bothers me a lot that people talk about like how people how these like handout type things make people lazy and like they say that these people are getting handouts and they're just inherently going to stay lazy I don't think that's the way human beings are designed like everybody is always trying to like do something or work on something you got to have like like you got to have some sort of struggle right like you got to have something <laughs> that's what Arto said Arto said that you can't be a real artist unless you're literally and figuratively hungry yeah yeah so thanks Arto but he's a crazy man I had to explain to a child uh, today about my food stamps and I said that they're because I used them we were out together and I bought her a snack and she's like I can have my mommy pay you back and I'm like don't worry about it Uncle Sam's got it. And she's like, what? <laughs> and she goes, what are, what are these, what's this special card you have? And I was like, well, this is my artist stipend. I said, I'm a stand-up comedian and I do radio and my gifts as an artist are not monetary, monetarily valued in our society. Mm -hmm. And I consider this an artist stipend so that I can eat, <laughs> so I can pay my rent and I can live in the most expensive what city in the say? world. <laughs> she thinks it's great. She told her mom when she got home, she goes, Pam gets, <laughs> Pam gets gifts from the government because she's an artist. I'm like, girl, you, you, you heard it right. That's exactly what happens. But I mean, I, I wish... It. I wish that um, everyone's art gifts as an artist were monetarily valued, and, it, and it's, that's true, it's man. That, like, not everybody's going to be an engineer. Yeah, but with the whole interwebs now, it's possible to like make your art kind of like become visible and shit, and like people can see it. You know? Sure, but it's still like, you know, water, water, water. Not who's going to pay for it? <laughs> Although we we do pay for a lot of water, so that's we do. You know, when when Smart Water came out in like 2006, I poo pooed it. I said, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of." What idiot is going to pay all this money for water with vitamins in it? This is so dumb. <laughs> and it's like a thing. It's still around. It's now, than everyone, ever. it's a huge, it's a bazillion dollar like business. And like I was at that time, I was like, this is the dumbest thing. <laughs> Who are these some idiots that are going to buy smart some water? Some strange things. Like they, they're making it, man. Some strange things are well, and becoming the people, a thing. To, to segue this into your wonderful and amazing book, incredible book that I read. And I everybody at Backpatio of Benders is like, what is it? They were laughing and they were looking at it. Right but on. here was the thing that people said. Those tacky douche dick bags and all their money driving Lyft, like their perspective is anything. Oh, life is great and telling pass it forward and everything. When I make $250,000 a year and I'm 12 or 24 or whatever. And because these are all like motorcyclists and people yeah, yeah, that I yeah, hang yeah, out yeah, with. Yeah. And they're like, who's going to make a book like that for the bus? And I was like, well, the problem is you'd have to engage with people on the bus and do you want to do that? <laughs> who's going to be the saint that's going to walk on the nine and be like, I have a book and I'd like you to say something to the next past person that I interact with. They'd be like, Get the fuck out of here. What are you getting? What are you doing? Definitely, definitely. I agree with you 100%. Like, it's, it is it is fascinating, though. Like, even when I'm trying to engage... Like, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is engaging with these people is actually quite difficult. Like, I genuinely think that this is this is a, this is is a an art and it's a struggle. Yeah. And that's what, um, what I'm, like, kind of enjoying doing. And that's why I talk to people. I engage with them. I don't annoy everybody all the time. Because I'm sure somebody's actually just having a bad 
bad day. Oh, uh, but you can turn that frown upside down. I could try, but yes, so, yes. yeah, but sometimes it's just not worth it. Like fuck right, them. Right, like right, sometimes right, right. it's just not like they, there are douchebags amongst them. They're like you don't have any Perrier. You only have Perrier. You don't have. <laughs> you don't have what's the other one? <laughs> For real, you don't have what's the other one? Vox. Oh, Vox. Yeah, but that one's that one's a still. Oh, you only have Arrowhead? I was hoping for Vox. Oh, oh, oh Perrier. Yeah, yeah, I really wanted yeah. the... What's the... Dude, what's, that happens. People ask me for shit the all the time. Water. They're like, hey, man, do you have water? Hey, man, can I get a bottle really quick? I'm like, no, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, like what not, do they expect, like, 15 not. different candy bars? Yeah. They're like, um... No, but here's the thing. Like, you there only are, have mini Snickers? There are, <laughs> there are other drivers that do that. They pimp out their car with all these snacks and chips and shit and water. People do this. Like, there are so articles about them. More? Because <laughs> there's going to be chips in your car. That's true. I hate it when people eat in my fucking car. Like, I hate it. Like, it's ridiculous. Don't do that, man. That's Maybe a rude. lollipop. Maybe a lollipop. There's nothing wrong with having a, a little a little bouquet of dum-dums in your in a in a coaster in the back. Nah, you know? I'm not a fan, yo. I'm just not going to But gonna then they put their wrappers and, and gonna, shit. Yeah, it's like going to be sticky. Just, yeah. yeah. I don't want children. It's it's a, it's a struggle, man. It's a struggle some to, to to deal with this. Well, I loved in the back of the book how you have the thing where you can tear it out and send your own. Yeah, that was you great. got it. You yeah, got that it. That was got awesome. All the way to the end. I love Absolutely, it. we got. I even went back the other direction. There were some that were just so uh, cute and strange. Uh, I love the people that said that you were going to kill people or that they were, <laughs> there's midgets in the trunk yeah. or that they're, he's a murderer or he's got a gun. Uh, ah! Organs, a bottle the, full of organs in the trunk. Right. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. it was very funny. It was really good and it was uplifting and it was, uh, and then I looked at your website too and I thought, this is like a real project. You're really, you're not just stopping this. You've been doing this because that came out in 2015. So you've been doing this for like four years now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Really? That's like longer it's been than that college. long? Because it's 2017, and if your book came out in 2015, that's two years, and it must have taken you two years to collect that stuff and put it together right. and get it published. Right. So I figured you probably started in like 2013. Yeah. And now it's been two years. Definitely post. not 13, but like something like that. Right. And the whole thing was very interesting that you were a. That you yourself were a techie douchebag and you decided to not do <laughs> Thank that you. anymore. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. The opening is really I heartfelt. That. It's I used really to say, Yeah, I used to say that. Like, I, um, I used to, I am a brown person. I, I used to work in tech. I have tech in me that's literally in my blood, but I missed having a soul and I wanted oh. to rejuvenate that for a little while uh, and do some interesting shit. And I like, just live in the city of San Francisco. You know? Will it be hard? To make the transition back oh, to yeah, techie douchebags, it's almost you, impossible. Because <laughs> once you're out, you're. I've found because I haven't been in the. I haven't had a. I haven't had like a W two job since, <laughs> since um two thousand seven wow. seven. So I think I quit my last job where I was a real person, in like March of two thousand seven, and so, if I were as a forty two year old woman, even with two master's degrees, to try to get back into the work. I have no idea what I could do. I have no idea what people would pay me for. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've been running Mutiny Radio for four years now. And, and that's great, man. And that's great, and it's awesome. And But Fucking how I translate radio. those skills into anything that anybody would see as monetarily valuable is just confusing for me. And now that I've been on my own and doing whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, um, for this, for t- almost coming on 10 years, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to be the boss. I don't think that... 
I do take direction well, but I have to really be like, you're amazing. And then I take direction really well. But otherwise, I'm really question things like and I don't think that that's an attitude that and just being old. I, I don't know. I just don't know how to break. I'm like, I guess I'm I guess Not I'm never that working old. Come on. I, but when you're kind of like I went to graduate school, late, but I just don't know how to apply these things things that I've done to anything don't except don't worry about it man art. you got you figure it out yeah oh, man you, 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 you're, you're doing it in your comedy man you're the oh, best you're the, you're the funniest female oh, comedian in San Francisco kind. that's very I, kind I genuinely believe that and that's what I tell that's people like, I'm that's gonna a, cry that's, yeah. that's incredible nobody else I don't think anybody else would say that I think <laughs> I'm hilarious I think you're great like, <laughs> I, I think you're yeah I, but I, I you always get at least a couple like genuine laughs uh, oh, from brainwash? me from oh, me from every personal. single time. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, thank you. That's yeah. great. Well, you haven't heard all my material yet. But, I mean, <laughs> and it continually evolves. I'm just, I'm lucky because I came from a creative writing background. So right. For me, what were your two master's com- degrees in? I have a master's in fiction and an MFA in poetry. So yeah, I will dope. never make any money ever. It's, uh, it, was a, it was a poor decision. It wasn't a bad decision. It was just a poor decision. But it, it was great. I, and I got to study what I wanted for four years. And I, and I, yeah, love, I love poetry. Where'd but you- what, like... Ugh, pretentious deuce, just dick <laughs> satchels poets are. They think, oh, I'm such, I'm the smartest person. Uh, it's like, I I did, I tried to be one of these, oh, every single word that drips from my brain to the page is pure honeyed wonderment. And I, I can't, I must express it to you and you feel you touch my soul. Jesus it is, Christ. People know, and it was, it was getting, people? they're called poets. And we would just, they would, I didn't, add a, when I was a poet, I didn't know that you could create art from a place of happiness. I thought that you had to create art from a place of sadness, desperation, and drunkenness. So I was, I was like submerged. Not alcohol. Submerged in a barrel of whiskey coming out for free ice cream days. Whew. Like I was seriously, I was drinking. When I was in graduate school, the way to do it, man. I was drinking so much whiskey and writing. I would sit in a bathroom. I would be drunk in two bars that I really like, Bender's. And at the time, I got kicked out of Homestead, but I used to like Homestead. <laughs> but I would sit drunk on the toilet in the bar, and I would I would write these poems, and, and they, they would start to get like funky. Okay, so then I'd leave the bathroom, and there's they used to have this smoking room at Bender's. They don't anymore. But they used to have it, and I'd go in there, and I'd smoke cigarettes. And there was one time I was so wasted. They used to have these <laughs> tall bottles of nigiri, of sake, of unfiltered sake, and I would drink two of them, and I was toast. So I'd sit back there, and I'd be like, no, there are no men anywhere, because I'm sequestering myself in the smoking room. Like, I'm not, you know, and I'm drunk. And there was one time when I was writing poetry, and I fell off a bar stool, and I <laughs> gave myself a black eye. So I take this picture of myself. Of course you do. And I sent it to my mom. First I said said to one of my friends and I sent it to my mom and she was like, this is becoming a problem. But I wake up in the morning and just laugh and laugh and I'm like, I have a black eye because I was drunk. This is hilarious. My early 30s were interesting. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I had a lot of fun. I love those bars too. I love Benders and Homestead. I'm not allowed in Homestead. I got 86 from Homestead. Damn! (laughs) I got 86. What the fuck? And I was a regular there. I was a super regular. I was even given like a t-shirt. I was invited to special parties. (laughs) I was a regular. And I got I got 86. Damn. Don't fuck where you drink, everybody. Yeah. Lesson number one in San Francisco. If you're if, if you're if you move to San Francisco and you like to drink, there are so many bars. Okay. If you choose one to be a regular at, do not sleep with the bartenders, the bouncers, the the dudes, 
the 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 the, the, the guys that do the glasses, the barbacks, don't do it. Don't do it. Bad news. Uh, the only exception I have is that my current boyfriend, who's amazing, he's incredible, he's the most wonderful human alive. Yay, Jonathan. He's so supportive. He comes and sees like every comedy show, even though he knows all my jokes. Sometimes I'll even be like, before I said, I'll be like, what haven't you heard in a while? What do you want me to do? And he'll like give, he'll be like, oh, why don't you do, like, uh, yeah, why don't you yeah, do Kafka yeah, Roach yeah, Coach? And I'm yeah. like, you know all my jokes. Um, but so I met him on the back patio of Benders. But the back patio of Benders is a very special place. It's a vortex of good energy and only good things happen there. And so many of the best things in my life have happened because of the back patio of that bar. Namely, one of them being that I met my I wonderful boyfriend. And hopeful, yeah. and I hate the word boyfriend because it's like so diminutive and infantilizing. You know, like he's a 32-year-old man and I call him a boyfriend <laughs> and I'm his girlfriend. We're like, we're like going steady. <laughs> but, you know, I wish there was another. I don't like life. Partner. Pa- partner. I don't like partners. Partner. That's the way. That's the partner. Like partner. Like I go with partner, <laughs> but that sounds like weird too. I don't. I don't like husband. I don't like wife. I don't like. I don't like special sex friend. I mean, I don't even know what people call each other, but. I mean, special sex friend is that a thing? I, I think that's what you call Tinder dates. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I overheard you say that. How much do you Tinder? I don't even. I've never internet dated. I've never in my entire life gone on an internet date. Yeah, I, 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 I don't do it either. Okay, good. I don't do it. Like I have it. I definitely have it. And when I was in Pakistan, I was checking it out. Like <laughs> it was amazing. Wow. Tinder in there Pakistan. There are so many people on Tinder in Pakistan right now. How does that right work when Karachi? you can only see their eyes? <laughs> <laughs> if they're wearing the is that a good joke you can steal that by the way oh, you can use that you can God. say you can use you can make up a joke about tinder in pakistan and how hard it is because when you can only see their eyes oh i can tell this is gonna be a good one oh, my is, God. Do, i mean if if do muslims like date or do they all are they all set up for for marriages how does that work Oh. Do you get to? I mean, can you? Yeah, t- yes, but it happens both ways. Okay. Like there are there are arranged marriages, but people also tend to go out and find somebody that they want. So, for example, my elder brother had an arranged marriage, but my younger brother uh, brother got married to a girl he was seeing. So, oh, yeah, in the same family. That's amazing. Huh? And, and the yeah. same family. Well, yeah. and that's great because your older brother and younger brother are both married, so you're off the hook. Yes, <laughs> yes, you're hook. right. You're off you're the hook. Right. You're right. <laughs> that's you're right. You get to live your life and yes, have fun. Like. Look, you did it. Yay. <laughs> Everything's coming up. Zia. <laughs> yeah, I get to like, I'm, uh, they're, 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 they're getting on my case, but like right now How it's like. How many children do they need? Come on. How many grandchildren I do I don't they know. Need? I'm like, yo, what's the big deal? Like, yeah. why do you got to see these? Like, this is not. Like, we have all the same genes. Like, they're taking oh, care yeah, of it for they, me. Let them, it, do it. let them do it, man. Let them, let them deal with it. Like, and you'll be happy. You'll be entertained. I mean, how much entertainment do you need? Exactly. <laughs> like, so, but I'm glad that, uh, uh that, that. <laughs> that that is a thing that I'm slightly off the hook. Yeah, my brother. I have an older brother, and he has two children. So I was, I the, <laughs> the pressure ended once he had his two kids. I was like, and I should never have children. I never wanted to have children. I never <laughs> thought I should have children. I love hanging out with kids. I mean, I'm yeah, I love kids I'm too. Incredible with kids. I love kids. Yeah, and I, kids I, love me back. Yeah. Like they 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 love it. So I did but. summer camp yesterday for five hours and. I had the best time and the kids had the best time and I got to meet 16 new little friends and we all had a great day and it was like, I was like, oh, I forgot I'm really good at this. 
I was I was one on one as a child with special needs. She just needed a little help transitioning into camp. So I was like her special friend for five hours, and then I was like, "All right, everybody knows her. I'm bye." <laughs> That's awesome. And she was great. She did great today at camp too. So it all worked out. That sounds great. That yeah. sounds great. Tell me about your wildest lift story. Oh. Okay, so I don't. I rarely get into Lyft because I have um, a dumb phone, and I actually don't even have. I don't have APPs, and I don't know how. To, I, I mean, I, I guess I could do it from my tablet. I could call. Lyft. You could do that. You actually could do that. So, um, but what have you heard? We, no, no, I did. I did one. This was you a did one. one. Okay, um, because I got in a car with another person, and they said, "Oh, we're going to drive to this place, and just come with me, and it'll be great." And so we were in a Lyft line, and we picked up this girl at a taco truck. And we were like waiting and oh God, and I wanted to smoke a cigarette and I couldn't in the car. And so I'm outside and I'm like, do you have a cigarette? I like run out to wait for him. Like, are we waiting for you? Right. Do you have have a cigarette? And she goes, no, no, no. And I'm like, oh, it's okay. So I get her back in the car and she's eating and I start talking about something and I'm like, do you like pot food? And so I like start hand, cause I'm wasted of course. So I start handing out pot treats to everyone in the, in the lift car and everyone's having a great time. And then I, you're that, you're that lady. I'm the lady giving everybody pot treats. And then I was handing out flyers from mutiny radio and they were all like, yay. Um, but I don't know. It wasn't that weird. We were just, I was just me handing out pot treats in a, the weirdest. That's a great story though. Like that, yeah. th- that's a great story. Like a lot of people have left weed for me straight up too. Like they, it happens all the time. I've gotten a lot of different treats. Like I've gotten like people leave beer, people leave like wine. <laughs> no, many, many times yeah. people, people have tipped me in wine before. I'm like, this is great. Like, that's, this is yeah, a that's wonderful perfect. thing to do. There's one time that I took a cab from, this is similar, but I, when I didn't have any money years ago, I used to have very little money, but I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of Valium because um, I always have Valium on me. I used to have really, really bad anxiety with airplanes, and so I had Valium. So this particular day, I had Valium on me, and I get into the cab, and I say, of course, kind cab driver, of course I have cash, but we are going from Benders to Molotovs, and if you'd like either weed or Valium, I would eat, we could do that. And he turns off his meter and he's like, I love Valium. How about, how about, how about five Valium? And I'm like, that sounds perfect. So he drove us to the bar, dropped us off. I gave him five Valium and that was great. And I was with my friend Lucas and he was like, you, did you just buy us a cab ride with Valium? And I was like, yeah, I mean, everything's negotiable in this city. I love it. I love that you did that. Everything's that's, negotiable. That's absolutely the best thing. Like I, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you traded in your ride for that. Uh, of course, I have. Cash. A lot of people uh, trade rides for other things, for other specific favors. Like a lot. Of this actually there, happens quite a lot as well. Favors? No. <laughs> no. It ha- it's, it's fun. It's really fun, especially if you were to be a gay man. Oh my God! You're gonna put a glory hole in your car. <laughs> you put it in the back seat or if you're in a lift line and you have a glory hole you kind of know what's on the other end it's kind of you're all there together so if you put it in the back dude, of the seat dude, knows that the seat should seat. be an app man that should be an app it would blow up portable glory hole <laughs> yeah it, that would be <laughs> I think that's called a condom but I'm not sure it'd actually be a condom with like a like a wooden ring around it or something dude. that would be like a portable glory hole that's crazy. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, How did we get here? I'm sure the Germans could think of that. Uh, 
Uh, we got here because I wanted to know about your craziest lift ride oh, because right, I wanted right. to read a couple of the messages oh, of some of the things that have happened. And yeah. like, kind of, this is kind of off the back of something we were talking about earlier, but um, it's one of the higher rated messages in here. So it says over here, when I was 12, I started a website to help school students with their math and CS homework. I found a pattern about the questions, automated it, Authorities found out the website. Uh, authorities found the website. Cops got to me. Proud. Wow. <laughs> and that's Why is that illegal? Because uh, I think he was in India and this was happening in America and he developed it over there. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Well, if they found him, that is that's a, that's you should be proud of that. They, yeah, they, absolutely. They found, he's killing it. Yeah, he he's, made. He's murdering it, and he was like, yeah, and he was twelve years old. That's like, insane. holy fuck! I have a, I have thirty five and I haven't done shit. <laughs> so my, I was hanging out with a friend, a small friend today, who's uh, eleven, and she, um, she loves to bake cakes, and she's decided that she wants to start a business where she makes tiny cakes for people's birthdays at school. But like with really pretty ones, like Cake Boss with like fondant and little things that she's made and little flowers and all this stuff. And I was like, go for it. Yeah, fuck yeah. You could you could charge him 20, 30 bucks for a little cake that you bring to school and everybody can eat it together at lunch or whatever. And it's going to be gorgeous. And they all watch those weird shows. Totally, totally. And I told her when I was in high school, I actually got in trouble. Because I've always been—I don't know if you've seen my cookie tattoo. I—I'm, you know, I, I make a lot of pop food, and I—but I've always—I've always baked cookies, I, and even in high school, I was a cookie baker. So I would wake up the night before. I would make cookie dough, and then I would wake up at like five thirty in the morning, and I would bake a bunch of cookies, and I would package them up, and I would take them to school and be at school at seven thirty, and I would sell them in class for like seven, awesome. seventy-five cents a piece. And I was doing really well, and I was waking up every morning yeah, and making great. these cookies and making money. Yeah. Well, yeah. the school called me into the principal's office, and they said, you have to stop because you're taking money away from the cafeteria. Oh, shit. I was doing so well that oh, they had shit. to shut me down. And so I told, ah, I told my little you friend You were shut story. down by the law was, in elementary school. Well, they found me. It, it, was, it was high school, it was but high they school, found okay. me. And so I told her, like, you have to be a little careful because I don't know how they feel about commerce in school damn but if, when they're not on the winning end hey of it. no but like well, this is what's interesting like right now that's what well, that's what kind of makes these tools very fascinating like like uh, Instagram and Facebook and this type of shit that and, uh, YouTube people are using these things to sell interesting products right. when I was back home check this shit out alright so I talk about Pakistanis being the most uh, uh, enterprising people Pakistanis are fucking like especially Karachites are very enterprising people so one one of my one of my my closest friends younger sisters is running a oil business right like she her grandmother used to make some special oil combination okay. like mixture and she got that that recipe formula or whatever the fuck and now she bottles that shit and sells it on Facebook wow. and she is making like $10,000 a month wow. like selling these tiny bottles of oil it's fucking brilliant wow i'm so ha- i'm so proud of her man it's amazing that's great and yeah. people are do people do the dopest shit out there, and that's entrepreneurship. That's enterprising. Sure. That's uh, all of these things that you know we try to talk about. Right. I'm very proud of that. Show. Well, I would. Uh, I mean, I wish that there was a way for me to monetize my pot cookie cooking skills or whatever I do. I mean, I can put it into anything. I made these. Put I that shit these. on Instagram. Well, but the thing is that 
I don't want to get. I, well, once it's legal, I wonder what happens. Like if I can work out of my mean? own house, because like my weed thins, I made those the other day. They're right. so good. They're wheat thins, but they're made with weed. They're so good, yeah. and they last at room temperature for a long time. And I was like, these, this is winter, and they have tons of weed in them. But I, I don't know. I don't. Once it's super legal in 2018, I, I don't see why I. No, it'll be the same thing because alcohol is legal, but you can't make alcohol at home and sell it. It'll be the same thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like you can't. You this can, is going to be interesting. I definitely think that that's a fascinating. Because like, you you can't. Like, it's illegal. to How do, are they going to regulate this? Well, it's illegal to do moonshine. It's illegal to distill your own alcohol without a license. Now you get to brew your own beer up to a hundred yeah, gallons the, in a year. The weed lobby isn't so strong. Well, and, and the like, weed they the don't weed. have they don't have their laws together yet. Yeah. And they but I think they're going to take all their money away from policing you and me being on the street smoking a blunt or having weed on us or like whatever. And they're going to put all that money into a finding growers that aren't um, doing the permits and the oh, important right. permits because the AB the like taxing it the right way right because the ATF is going to become the ATMF so it's not going to be the alcohol tobacco and firearms it's going to be alcohol tobacco marijuana and firearms yeah for sure and so they're going to have to find a way to legislate it because they're going to want yeah. their cut and so they're going to switch it's definitely the, happening it's happening so that's the problem is if I become this big weed person and I don't go through the proper permitting oh, they'll come so after before- me so before anything actually happens, you're already shooting down <laughs> your I'm already idea concerned. of doing it. Yeah, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think it's even I think, better I think you now. Might wanna, <laughs> I think you might want to get this shit started and then you'll see where it right. goes. Well, right? I mean, it's like I have... Uh, that's the way you got to look at these I have Rice Krispie Treats in my bag right now, but it's like... <laughs> I love it. That's not... I've got... They're delicious, <laughs> but I can't... I'm not going to... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to make... Check, check, money. check, check this out. Check yeah. this out, all right? I'm going to read it on another message. It yeah. says... Uh, I was in a 15-year relationship. I should have ended after. I should have ended it after three years. Oh. Uh, waited so long because of monotonous and knew how hard she would take it. Whatever crap situation you're in, I'm cheering for you to put yourself first and change it. Hmm. I was in. I was married. The last. The last three years of my marriage were not. I. It was just pretending it wasn't oh yeah i I should have been out of that relationship once i realized i needed to divorce him once i started imagining him uh dying i started having dreams uh fantasies about him um just you know driving on the freeway and just sort of missing a turn and just going off and oh yeah was 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 he a terrible driver no no i just was fantasizing on ways that my life would be better if he were dead. Oh my God. But that's when I realized I needed to divorce him. But that's the thing. That was, and I think a lot of people feel this way, honestly, when they've been married for a long time or they get married too early or whatever. And, but that's when I realized, like, once I started imagining him dying being a better situation than him being alive, I was like, I that need to leave this relationship. Definitely yeah. not. This is not working <laughs> that anymore. Is clearly like, it's a sign that, yeah. you know, we cannot, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do we this. Shouldn't it's terrible together. for yeah. everybody. And when I, when I eventually, when I left him initially, he was heartbroken and very sad. Uh, but then he realized four months later when he got a new girlfriend that it was the best thing I ever did for him and then he <laughs> married her and now they have kids and they're so happy oh wow and he said to me before like you leaving me was the best thing you could have ever done for both of us and I was like yeah me too I went off and got some master's degrees and now I have a radio station and I'm happy and my boyfriend is 11 years younger than me and that's awesome and super hot and wonderful and he skateboards and this is great yeah it was it's great I've always wanted to be with a young guy. But yeah, it, people need to make decisions. Right. I stayed I stayed in a place. I mean, and that was the thing. I, I had this 
great job, and uh, I was suicidal. I, I had this house. <laughs> I was driving a Lexus. I had a Lexus. I had this great job uh, at Ethan Allen that was really fun. Like I was a visual merchandiser, so it was like a big dollhouse, and I got to order everything and play with everything and move things around. It's really fun. And I had a sleeping spot. I had a napping spot at work where no one could ever find me. I, I mean. I, I had a lot of friends. We were having parties. We had these two dogs. My ex-husband was a veterinarian. On paper, everything was like, and I was suicidal. And people would pull me aside and be like, what is wrong with you? Your life is perfect and you're sad? What is wrong with you? And I'd be like, I hate it. And once I just was like, just because that's a perfect life for someone else, it's not the perfect life Absolutely. for me. For sure. Hundred percent. And so I You have to figure out what um, may what's uh, what's your what your thing is and everybody needs to do that. They need to figure out what their specific but thing is was and hard. work on that shit. It was hard because I was a rich person. I mean we owned a house in San Diego. We owned a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar house in San Diego. <laughs> I was driving a Lexus. He we had he had a BMW and this Explorer Sport. We had two dogs. Like Jobs. We had this. Oh, we had this. Our house overlooked the canyon, and there was this orchid tree in the spa, and it was really palatial. We were like upper middle class people, and now I'm on food stamps. So I made like a, a clear choice <laughs> to not. I didn't take any alimony from him. I took no nothing. The only money I took from him was the money that I put into the house because I didn't want him to sell the house because we bought it when it was at the height of the market, and then in 2007 it was in the crapper. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want you to sell the house because I don't want this decision to ruin your life. Right. I don't want anything. I don't want. I, I could have tanked him, but I wasn't mad at him. I just hated my own life. It wasn't that I hated him. Right. I just wasn't happy, but he wasn't happy either. So, and he wanted me to have kids, and I. So you have, have to kids. like you have to like be able to like figure out that this shit is not gonna happen, and right. like make a decision on your part. And it was so hard, and it's the same. This poor person that stayed in that <laughs> loveless marriage for twelve years, yeah, yeah, or yeah, loveless yeah, relationship, yeah. or just a place they didn't want to be. But the interesting thing, you know, what the interesting thing about that person was that dude was foreign. Oh, <laughs> he was like uh, Russian or something, like huh. Eastern European block or something. Interesting. Hmm. That's what I definitely remember about him. Uh, it was a long time ago, though. That's for sure. 100%. I wonder if they. I wonder how different it is. Like, there's a. I felt a lot of pressure from the, the from society and TV and movies because I was living this perfect bourgeois lifestyle. You know, we go and going to Costco, and my joke was like, "Oh, I just can't get out of Costco for under three hundred dollars." You know what I mean? Like, we'd be at a party, and I'd be like, "Oh God!" Before I was a comedian, isn't it hilarious? You go into Costco for like some muffins, and you come Is out with four true? pairs of Calvin Kleins, ah, and a cashmere sweater. How did I do it? It was like, and everyone would go, "I know." And did you get the lobster ravioli? in the frozen whatever. oh shit I mean it was I was super super bougie and it was love it. annoying and lame well it's interesting it's interesting like with all of the, like I you know I wonder I'm wondering you, you, I want to go to the next message yeah, yeah, and next I think message, that that's something message, that you're gonna uh, that you're gonna relate to really well uh, it says <laughs> I got really stoned one night and asked f my friend if he could give me a ride on his motorcycle through the Golden Gate Bridge I felt like I felt like wind light carefree and stupid this city won't last forever not like this but someday i will remember being 29 and living here and enjoying it that's and that's cool that's 
nice. These people are terrible writers. It's yeah, surprising they have so much bad. money because yeah, it sounds yeah, like they yeah, didn't yeah, go to college. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just fine. I just you know, it's it's great. You can make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year being an engineer, but you can't write a complete sentence. That's fine with me as an English major. That's great, everybody. That's dude. You do not fantastic. understand. Like talking to these people is the most difficult thing ever. You're, like you're they're they're shocked. They're shocked when I look them in the eye and say hello. Are they all? How autistic? are you? No. Like, how are you doing, man? What's going on? Uh, and like, they're they t- looking at me. They're taking it's a sign of aggression. <laughs> That's what that Show happens. Show me teeth. Show me teeth. Dude, you don't understand. And these people read. They they yeah. get under my skin. I'm like, yo, man, what the fuck? I'm saying hello. I don't want to fucking your life story, but you show c- common courtesy. Like, sure. where did that go? Hey, man, what's up? So yeah. to, to the to the point of the of the message, this is a city where uh, you you don't have to grow up here. It's it's great. Not only do you, it goes as a double entendre. Not only do you not have to grow up here, literally, like you don't have to grow up in San Francisco to call yourself a San Franciscan or yeah. to, to be in this city. I've been in this city for 10 years and I consider myself a local. Yeah. So you don't have to grow up here, literally. Sure, totally. But also, you don't have to grow up here. Like, you can be a child. I'm a 42-year-old child. I yeah. was doing handstands with children yesterday. You <laughs> I can love it. smoke pot. You can have a good time. You can go. And everything here can change like that. You can, all of a sudden, you can be a stand-up comedian. You can say, hey, I man, mean, it's stand-up a comedians world. are the greatest. There's like 250 of us uh, that are really consistent. <laughs> but you can, but that's the thing is right now, kind of all I know is stand-up comedy because that's all I'm doing. But I used it's to only best. know, I used to only know karaoke. I used to be in the San Francisco karaoke mafia. And I made myself, I made it so I, I wouldn't let me, I wouldn't let myself sing every night of the week. There was a time where I was like, I'm only allowed to sing four nights a week. That's before I did comedy. I was like, the way that I got my stage time in is that I didn't know I was supposed to do comedy, but I would do, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm a legendary karaoke performer. I, I went to the San Francisco, not the San Francisco. Of course you are, Pam. I went to the California. You're a legendary comic is, as true. well. Oh, come on. Uh, 1997, I went to the California State uh, Karaoke Final Championship uh, over at San 